Street Talk Live. You're listening to the live Sunday night edition. I am Stephanie. And I'm Mark. You can uh, give us a call. I'm turn you up a little bit there, Mark. Am I down? Uh, you were, but you're fine now. So anyway, we, we thank you for joining us this evening. As we said, this is a live Sunday night edition. You can call Free Talk Live and take control of the airwaves by dialing 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Feel free to bring up uh, anything that's on your mind tonight. And in the meantime, Mark, we had something that we wanted to discuss. This is kind of like a continuation of a story that has been, well... In process for a very, very long time. Yeah, we've been talking about this story for a long time on Free Talk Live, and it was old when we talked about it initially. Yeah, this this began in 1997, actually, when a uh, Thailand a person from Thailand decided to go to college in the United States at Cornell University. And uh, this kid basically, or this young man, basically found out somehow that it was way cheaper to purchase textbooks in Thailand through his relatives and he, was young, he was a young man then. He's, he's probably in his 40s now. <laughs> yeah, so 1997. So this has been 15, uh, years. 15 years since this has happened, uh, since this began. And uh, so he found out that it was way cheaper to buy his textbooks in Thailand, import them into the U.S. through having his family help him out by sending them to him, and then resell them to his students because the publication company for the textbooks, Wiley & Sons, I think Wiley is a very um, a very large textbook manufacturer they're really famous and you know of course when you go to college you're kind of forced to buy these textbooks they kind of have a, close. a monopoly you can only get them through one company usually you get them from the textbook annex or whatever at the school and you know unless, they're ridiculously expensive ridiculously expensive yeah i mean students budget hundreds and hundreds of dollars per semester for college textbooks. And sometimes they're not even used that much in the class. You know, like the the teacher will assign a few paragraphs here and there, but they're not like the main meat of the course or anything, but you still have to buy it or you have you to find some way. Yeah, mean, no, you you don't know exactly. You don't know what, how important the textbook is going to be. Even if you talk to previous students, you know, sometimes people's learning styles are different. So you don't really know what to expect. And, uh, of course, every year they come up with a new edition, and so then you have to pay full price for the new edition, which just has basically the graphic on the cover is different, and they've changed a few chapters here and there, but it's mostly the same. Just enough to confuse you. Yep, yep. Just enough so you can't follow along when the professor says, okay, read page 97 to 155. You know, it's slightly different in edition two or whatever that's out this year, right? Sounds so, right. So it's a real scam with these textbooks. And, you know, you can save a little bit, I think, by buying used. Like when I was in college and medical school, they had used textbooks that you could get. And they were slightly cheaper, but it still ran a pretty significant amount of money. I mean, I've always had to budget for it. And it's not it's not insignificant. Some kids take out loans to buy their textbooks or they, you know, they, they do co-ops and they share with other students, but that can be a pain to coordinate. You can't really study on your own time. You have to like, you know, find another student. And (laughs) so, you know, this is just a big pain and I'm sure college students don't like having to spend all this money on books when they are already pretty poor to begin with, because I wonder how don't much work. this pays the professors. I mean, don't professors tend to write their own textbooks? A lot of them do. And then rewrite every year so that they yes. can, so that the students ha- then have to buy the new textbooks mm-hmm. and you can't, you know, use the old ones. And the used ones aren't as uh, effective. As, and I mean, this is. Yep. And then they always have the university of whatever press that's there to publish all the professor's textbooks. And, yeah. you know, um, 
so yeah, it, it, you can really see how they've got quite a scam going on there. I saw a textbook once for some class that was over a thousand dollars, and wow. I mean, what's wow. to stop them from doing it? I mean, I really, guess there's nothing. It's essentially a monopoly. Well, except this enterprising young entrepreneur, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> who discovered that it was so much cheaper to get his books in Thailand and through the same companies, the same exact books. same books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just some kind of program that makes these textbooks um, available at a lower price for you know countries that... I would... suppose they charge whatever they can get away with. Yeah. And in Thailand, they, they probably can't get away, can't get away with, with as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Especially because I think the, the intellectual property and the copyright laws are maybe laxer there, yeah. uh, like in all pl- places Or at least the enforcement of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> so he decided he could resell these, uh, and um, this company sued him, John Wiley & Sons, the textbook manufacturer, saying that he was violating copyright law. But he countered with saying, no, no, there's this thing called the first sale doctrine, which means that basically the copyright holder only in the system that we have today in the U.S., the copyright holder only has control over the first sale. So, for instance, if you buy a book or a CD or something that's copyrighted, you can resell that thing on eBay or whatever, and you won't be violating copyright infringement. Or you won't sure. be infringing on copyright. You own the book once you buy the book. Right. Now, this is, uh, to some extent, uh, you know, I mean, you still can't use the book in ways that... You, you can't co- make you a can't, bunch of copies and then sell those. It. You can't, um, you know, in, in your work too, oh, too extensively right. or something like that. Yeah. You can't say that you wrote the book or whatever. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you own the book and you can resell the book. Sure. But apparently now that um, ability to resell your own stuff basically is in jeopardy. And this has been in the in the legal system apparently for the past 15 years. This this person is long out of college <laughs> and uh, it's been, in, you know, infringing on his life probably for the last 15 years. But, you know, Free Talk Live is is a show where we we love to hear from you and we love to hear your calls. So let's go actually right to the phones, Mark. We've got Aaron on the line in Ohio. Aaron. Hi. Hi. Welcome Hi. to Free Talk Live. Hi. Um, I was listening to you guys a couple weeks ago. I'm a recent convert, I guess, to the libertarian group I would call myself. I don't know. But um, you mentioned something about a couple, two weeks ago regarding people who believe in both, who are, who are pro-life but yet believe in the death penalty. Oh, are you talking about the conflict between... Um basically american conservatives usually they are anti excuse me anti abortion but pro death penalty and pro war which means bombing a lot of innocent people in the middle east and other places right um my particular contention was however with the abortion and the death penalty okay and the, i feel that with the death penalty you're regarding people who have already been convicted of a victim or a crime with a victim Whereas with abortion, you're talking about possibly having a victim who has not committed any action towards any person. Well, there could be two victims in that situation, right? I mean, you could say that a, a woman who is pregnant, you know, against her will, perhaps, or just does not want to be pregnant, is essentially being enslaved, you know, in order to support the developing fetus inside of her. You could if she hadn't taken. Um, I, I am not pro-choice, so um, you know. Did I say I was? No, I, I'm, I'm just, just making an making argument. it clear. So uh, you're you're in, only enslaved to your own actions. I mean, if you go into a, a cell and you lock the door and you throw the key out, then you're enslaved to the cell. Well, people as, because as you, that's free what you did. individuals you could, sex, change, could change you, their minds later. When right? you have sex, the the re, one of the reasonable outcomes to sex is pregnancy. 
one of them, and sometimes people take precautions and something screws and up. Something happens. Yep. You know, and one of the reasonable, you look both ways before you minds. cross the street, sometimes you get hit by a car anyway. And a lot of people, you know, who, I don't think you could say that everyone who seeks an abortion, every woman who seeks an abortion is necessarily pregnant because she chose to have sex I with somebody else. I never claimed that at all. No, but I, I, I know. I would say that I'm the just majority saying. of them were. Okay. And Aaron, what was your question about that or your contention? Um. It was no. It was just that. So that it is logical, I believe, to have both at the same time. Yeah, I think that you're. I think you're right. I generally, um, you know, I, I disagree with people's with the with the view on capital punishment. I am pro life in all of these circumstances. I'm against uh, you know wars that kill innocent people. Yeah. I'm against uh, the death penalty because I believe that the um, that humans are imperfect, and when humans are perfect, then they may kill others. And um, then I'm also against uh, abortion generally. At, when when someone's actions has reasonably resulted in pregnancy. And I agree with you on every one of those points. It was just, I felt a logical fallacy to say that those two views were contradictory. Yep. I don't think that it was done by me, but uh, it might be, it might be Ian, might no, be Stephanie. It was Stephanie. Okay. Did I, I say that? that? Okay. I don't remember it. It was a slight passing comment in regards to someone who had come from the conservative side towards libertarianism. And gotcha. About, like, all right, Aaron. Thanks, thanks for sharing your thoughts tonight. Uh, appreciate your call. This is Free Talk Live. There's more coming up here. We'll talk about this uh, first sale doctrine uh, 15 years later. Still not resolved. 855-450-FREE. What do you think about copyright? It's Free Talk Live. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. Oh, welcome to Free Talk Live. <laughs> welcome back to Free Talk Live. Sounds like Sesame Street. Sesame Street. Well, that wouldn't have been the first thing that, that came to mind for me. But anyway, uh, welcome back to our show. This is the live Sunday night edition with Stephanie. And Mark. And, of course, you can call us at 855-450-3733. That is 855-450-FREE to get in touch with us this evening. And, of course, you're welcome to bring up anything that's on your mind. It's Free Talk Live, where, you know, we we give you the license to do that. On Free Talk Live, we often talk about uh, investing in gold or silver as a hedge against inflation or barter currency, um, investment, whatever is the reason that you might want to get gold or silver or other precious metals in your hands. Go to gold.freetalklive.com to do it because there you'll get some of the best prices. And when you buy gold from gold.freetalklive.com, Free Talk Live will benefit. It's gold.freetalklive.com. All right. Thank you, Mark. You know, um, I was just thinking of this during the break. We had Aaron call last segment about um, abortion and how apparently I I don't I'm having trouble remembering. I don't doubt that I said it, but uh, apparently I said something about that. I see an inconsistency between people who are pro-life when it comes to abortion, so-called. And they'll often say like, oh, there's nothing higher value than human life and every life is sacred. And they even often advocate, you know, against uh, government medicine because they're afraid that old people will be 
uh, terminated prematurely. And they, you know, they the same pro-life people wanted to keep Terry Schiavo alive, you know, even when her frontal cortex was completely liquefied and, you know, she was how brain does dead. Front, how does a frontal cortex liquefy? Um, over mine, ma- I don't think mine has. No, <laughs> no, yours is solid. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, basically, um, when someone has brain death, so-called, you know, the, the term, they have some kind of brain injury or some kind of stroke or something like that. They retain function of certain parts of their brain, like the brain stem, the things that control breathing and... The amygdala. Um, yep. Uh, well, no, actually... The, brain. The amygdala is maybe... It's in the limbic system. That's a little higher in little the brain higher, okay. than the breathing parts. But um, basically what happened to her was she only had like the most basic functions, basically breathing and, and digestion and stuff like that. And so, you know, since she wasn't using her cognitive centers of her brain, um, they just deteriorated. Hmm. So she just had nothing there. I see. Atrophied. Um, gotcha. So, But anyway, the, you know, a lot of the people who are pro-life were even, you know, were pro-life in her case. They didn't want her. They didn't want her. Uh, ex-husband was it to be able to basically pull the plug on her ventilator or whatever say you know right. this is enough we're not going to keep her on life support anymore uh, and she she dehydrated to death right because there was some decision that was made it seems but, like a rough way to go it does if yeah. you have a brain yes <laughs> yeah and and we don't know I mean what she was feeling but I mean that's I just see that as an inconsistency because these are the same people who say like oh it's you know the highest value is human life but they're willing to put people to death, you know, via the state when they're so, convicted of, of certain crimes. If there's an inconsistency to me, I think that the inconsistency would be um, the belief that humans are uh, that, that, that a flawed human can make uh, or a group of flawed humans, because frankly, I.e. the state, right? i.e. the state yeah. um, or, or the jury or whomever can make a, um, you know, can, can be right all the time and therefore not put innocent people to, uh, to, to death. Because if the claim is, is that uh, Terry Schiavo was innocent, uh, aborted fetuses, uh, babies are innocent and uh, that all cr- and the difference is that all criminals are guilty yep. that are put to death, then that is clearly a flawed uh, belief because you know that all criminals are not um, uh, guilty. Right. There Even though they were found who... guilty by a court. Now, you could claim that because a... the Innocence Project is a good resource for that. There's been people who've, who've been uh, let off of death row. You could claim that because a uh, jury found them guilty that, uh, you know, that in two cases, uh, Chivo and the, the fetus, mm-hmm. that they weren't found guilty, but in the, uh, you know, the murderer's uh, case, that they were found guilty and that therefore juries. Uh, somehow 12 group, a, a group of 12 people and a lawyer in a robe are the best qualified people to decide who dies. Um, I suppose that yeah. that kind of flawed logic could be there. But I do see a difference between the situations. I mean, I can see why somebody would support, uh, uh, you know, death for uh, somebody who committed a crime and somebody would not support death for somebody who didn't commit a crime. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it comes from a religious framework you know, to begin with. And I just, I disagree with it. You know, I don't know. Have you... It's certainly a lot of people will cite religious uh, beliefs, but I think that you can be non-religious and still believe that somebody deserves death sure. for a particular crime. Yeah. Mark, have you ever heard the phrase, uh, if men could get pregnant, abortion would be a sacrament. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of religion. I, <laughs> it takes a pretty dim view of men, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I think it was said by uh, Florence Kennedy. She's a famous, uh, basically a radical feminist. She staged what a, a surprise. She staged a um a mass uh, pee in, I guess, at Harvard College because they had no women's bathrooms like up until the seventies. 
Oh, my. Yeah. Where where did the women go up until the 70s? They had nowhere to go. Uh, So that's why she was protesting it. But anyway, she said that as far as I understand. Anyway, uh, we've got some calls on the line. Let's go to Roger. He's listening in Minnesota. Uh, Roger, are you you here? Yes. I think part of the drunk driving cases could be a scam, like a homeless person wanted to get more than a car to sleep in, so they get around the legal limit, probably 0.08 or 0.10, just barely, and get caught to just get a rip over the head other than a car. Are you listening to Free Talk Live, or were you listening? Yes. Okay. And XM Radio Extreme Talk. Okay. okay. Um, so you think that homeless people are going to jail on purpose? Well, it was like maybe in the Star Tribune, he might have wrote to Mothers Against drunk drivers that some people are like if like if they in a car and they want to get a bigger place to sleep they do a scam get caught for drunk driving go to a rehab center for something like a scam half of the cases was probably a scam most of my experience i don't know what it's like in every state but most of my experiences when you're caught drunk for drunk driving whether you're sleeping in a car and sometimes they will you know they'll they'll get people for sleeping in cars i was gonna say that ridiculous yeah but just sleeping in they don't take them to rehabs they take them to jail right roger anything else on your mind yeah i just end up with it a $3,000 cleanup bill due to special needs and lacking certain type of help. I mean, it's, I was in the mental health system most of my life. I ended up owning a house after a spray died, and I ended up with an expensive backyard cleanup bill. My privacy fence is debilitating. Oh, Roger. Kind of I'm lacking sorry. help in I'm, the system. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, they, they don't tend to help you. And it's thanks for the really call tonight. Debil- Appreciate your thoughts. Yeah. That sounds like a tough situation. Um, The pizza guy is listening in Fargo. He wants to talk to us about the AMP program. Pizza guy? (laughs) Hey, how's it going? Hey. Got a pizza for us? Going to come all the way from Fargo? Uh, Yeah, no, and everybody asks that, and they think they're clever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Forgive me. You are the pizza guy. But you know what I mean? Like, you walk into a hotel, and, uh, you know, you walk into the pool area, they want to deliver there. Everyone. Everyone. It's for me. That's funny. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I wanted to ask about the Amplify program. I guess um, Ian and Mark will be leading us shortly uh, for a while so that they can go smooge it up. Is that what I've heard? Like, like a couple of days we'll be on the road in uh, Los Angeles. Right. Um, and Pizza Guy, uh, we'll be happy to hold you over if you want to um, hang on the line. Apparently got questions. Yeah. Uh, he wants to talk about the AMP program, so we'll, we will respond to his query uh, here coming up in a moment on Free Talk Live. Um, tell us what kind of toppings you like on your pizza or whatever else is on your mind. It's Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything at 855-450-FREE. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the realtor Mark Warden. You want a home with 20 acres, a lakeside cabin, any takers for renters, buyers, and sellers too. Mark Warden is the guy for you. PorcupineRealEstate.com
Welcome back to the Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live. It's Stephanie with you. And Mark. And you can call us at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. There's a live show of Free Talk Live on every single night of the week from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And, of course, if you want to hear... um, any of Free Talk Live's old shows, pretty much, they're all available for you completely free. It's a great resource. Um, if you've got a lot of time on your hands, you can certainly fill it with listening to our voices yakking. And uh, the- I think nearly every program from September 2006 on is available at archives.freetalklive.com. Yeah. There, there might have been a couple of situations, a few situations where they had technical difficulties and, mm-hmm. you know, some piece of the show was lost forever. But... Not very many. We have redundancy at this point, and it hasn't happened in years. Right. And, of course, the last seven days of archives are right up there at the top of the website at freetalklive.com. Indeed they are. Okay, Mark, let's go right back to the phones. We've been talking with Pizza Guy in Fargo. And Pizza Guy, are you back? I sure am. Great. So why don't you go on and continue with your thoughts? Sure. Well, pepperoni, pineapple, uh, and feta are the best three toppings on a pizza if you can get them. Together? Yeah. Uh, so, yes, all together. Uh, so that answers thinking that. About uh, maybe this. some jalapeno if you're feeling a little uh, spicy. And <laughs> I like to put Parmesan and ranch and hot sauce on top of all of it. And it, I mean, it's pretty amazing. Thousands of people are salivating right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, what I called about was the amplifier program. So, uh, Ian and Mark, you guys are going to be leaving, uh, going out of town, uh, giving us the uh, second stringers for a few days. That's correct? Indeed. Okay. And that's all because of the amplifier program. That's right. Uh, the amplifier program makes it so that we can go to events like the Talkers uh, New Media Seminar in Los Angeles, where we go and talk to program directors and, you know, different talk show hosts and people in the business in order to uh, see if we can get Free Talk Live on more radio stations. So let me get this straight. If we really like you guys, we can give you guys money each month. And then if we give you enough money, you'll be on the air left. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it'll have other other benefits on the side, right? Yeah. No. Well, you know, I just wanted, I wanted to, to call and point that out. It's a funny joke, but actually you're not supposed to amp because you like us. You should amp because Free Talk Live is the very best way to reach uh, the average individual with the ideas of liberty. Uh, because there are lots of people that like or dislike one of us and will pull their amplifier, uh, you know, amplifier ship based because of something that Ian said or something that I said. And, you know, you, it's not really the you point. You politely avoided something that I said, which actually happened recently, I remember. I don't really remember. But okay, okay, good. <laughs> um, but it's it, it's inevitable. I mean, just just because it happened to you, Stephanie, does not make it unique. No, no. <laughs> I considered it. That's how I know that I'm really a part of Free Talk Live. Yeah, once somebody decides to pull their amplifier, uh, yeah. you know, uh, amplifier ship because you've said something and uh, you know it's we can't change what we say otherwise then we're not free talk live anymore we're not us well that wouldn't work either because if we did change what we said or our, our views or opinions then somebody else would be offended we right could change our opinions by the way but we can't do it because somebody's going to pull five dollars a month amplifier yeah <laughs> excellent yeah no hey i just want to do uh I'm, i gotta go i want to weigh in on the abortion issue uh, real quick, all right, because um, I know how much you guys love that issue. Oh yeah, uh, just tying it into me. the um, spanking your children and everything. Uh, you know, I, I like to call a spade a spade, so I call spanking children beating them. And I definitely think that abortion is murder of a human being. I mean, it has human DNA. It's a living thing. It, it's clearly that. However, 
I think that um, being completely idealistic and trying to say that we need to have a perfect world is also crazy. And what you really need to do is strive for maximum amount of voluntary interactions at all times. And that measures that it would take to enforce homicide against a fetus would be so great as to completely destroy the personal liberty of every female on this planet that it is morally impossible to do so. It's been tried before, and it didn't go well. Right. And thanks for the call, Pizza Guy. Um, yeah, I agree. I hope, you know, I like I like it when people, uh, I guess, maybe recognize that um, prohibiting abortion is something that isn't very effective, doesn't really work, and would lead to such huge costs in terms of people's liberty, not just women's, but men's, too. I think murder is a strong word, but I understand why people use it. Um, I am pro-life if one wants Good to thing use you that can term. never get pregnant mark i mean <laughs> but you right you take responsibility for your reproductive um I'm activities fixed. yep but the so uh, you know for me I, if i had to choose i have a four-year-old four and a half-year-old little boy named jack and if i had to choose between the the petri dish that contains uh the the fetus in you know the the two-day-old fetus that my wife and i have uh, put together which you know in the first trimester they're likely to self-abort anyway um it's it's very it's very common it's very common yeah it's not more likely than not but it's it's you know, 25 percent something like that if I had to choose and the house is on fire, this is an odd you know, scenario I have to put together, but I have to pick between the <laughs> Petri dish and my four and a half year old Jack. I'm going to definitely take Jack because I know him. I love him. I've experienced him. You know, we, you know, th- there's all these reasons. So I don't consider a two day old fetus to be on the level of a four and a half year old child. Yeah. But I don't at the at also don't think that I think it's the ending of a human life because I can't distinguish when a human life begins. Yeah. I'll sum up my view on it. Very, you know, very, very succinctly. Um, I don't want to use the government to prohibit uh, this act, you know, abortion. And I personally uh, do my best to never put myself in a situation where I would have to make a choice like that. So, it can't be an easy one. No, it can't. So let's go to um, Annie in St. Louis. And I've I've been lucky that I haven't been put in that situation involuntarily. So um, Annie, uh, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hi, guys. I'm really glad I found your show. Oh, thank you. We're glad you're uh, here. I kind of want to talk about the other end of the spectrum. Um, I am in my mid fifties and I think there's a lot of people in my situation where we're living from paycheck to paycheck. I certainly am. What I would like to be able to do is, um, when I feel like I can't work anymore, I would like to end my life. Wow. Okay. And how, what point do you think you'll reach that um, stage? I don't know. But I want to be able to make that choice. I think that people should have the option to choose when to end their life. I mean, uh, I if you own your body, uh, it's the logical conclusion to say that you should be able to choose whether or not you want to live. I, think I mean, that- some, sometimes I might disagree with somebody's choice, right? Like Why? Because, yeah, like if they're just not in their right mind or, you know, you can clearly tell they're they're having a psychotic episode and they become suicidal. Well, yeah, no, maybe I'm if not even talking, I'm not even talking about being in your right mind. It's like, yeah, when you have no money and. You know, it's. Um, 
Yeah, you're just at the end that. of your at the end of your rope, so to speak. So, do you yeah. have a do you have a family, Annie, or friends that you might maybe? No. Okay. So you just don't want to be a burden on on anybody else. This yeah. is kind of a depressing time. I feel sad talking about this. Do you, Mark? It, I, I I want to hear what Annie has to say. Okay. Well, I think there's a lot of people out there like me. Sure. Um, I I don't know how many people. Uh, I, I've never really heard anyone express what you're saying, actually. Um, yeah, maybe so- they just don't talk about it. It sounds like a high level of desperations um, centered on financial issues. And, you know, I, I... I've heard some people say, like, you know, when they're young, maybe like in their teens or 20s, that, oh, yeah, once I once I hit 50, it's all downhill, so I'm just going to commit suicide before then. I had I've pact- never seen anyone f- follow through on that, though. I had a pact with other teenagers to kill ourselves at 30. So, I mean, so yes, this happens. You, and you're older than 30. Is anything wrong with people that that want to do that. I I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to, are going to want to have some kind of you know avenue where you can do that. Annie, uh, thank, thanks for the call this evening. I, I think it's sad. I mean, I think there is joy. It's possible to experience joy later in life. and Without money? Um, well, it's sad money that they're in that situation, it's... that they have to make a choice like that. I've had more money and kind I've had less money. Kind of forced by circumstances. It is better to have more money. It is, yeah. Well, That's tell tough. us tell us what you think. Should you be able to choose when you end your own life? Based on financial reasons. Uh, this is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. It's Change Your Words, Change Your Life. A daily minute program to help you understand the power of every word you speak. Here's New York Times bestselling author, Joyce Meyer. You know, our words belong to us and we must be responsible for how we use them. And they can produce life or death for us and for all who hear them. They are a gift from God and when used properly, they are one of our greatest assets. Most of us probably spent many years, if not our entire lives, simply talking without even thinking about what we're saying. Some people say, well, I'm the type of person who just speaks my mind. But that does not make the person wise or pleasant to be with. If you use your words wisely, then I congratulate you. But if you don't, then I urge you to begin asking God to help you and start making changes right away. The more you improve the way you talk, the more your life will improve. For Change Your Words, Change Your Life, I'm Joyce Meyer. For more information and insight on how you can change your words and change your life, please visit Joyce Meyer, spelled M-E-Y-E-R, dot O-R-G. The words we speak can affect our lives in positive and negative ways. In her new book, Change Your Words, Change Your Life, best-selling author and internationally acclaimed teacher Joyce Meyer examines the power of words that convey our thoughts and emotions. She discusses how our words can increase or decrease our level of joy and how they can have a positive or negative effect on our future. Change Your Words, Change Your Life, the latest book from New York Times bestselling author Joyce Meyer, is available wherever books are sold. This is Free Talk Live, the live Sunday night edition with Stephanie and Mark. You can call us at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Mark, you know, we haven't gotten to too much show prep tonight, but uh, normally we do check the website, which is freetalklive.com, for stories that we might want to talk about on the show because uh, freetalklive.com has a unique feature where you can actually submit your favorite news stories right there up at the top of the page. You can find out how to do that. And um, we, you know, the ones that listeners like or the people who read the website at least like get voted up or voted down. 
And the ones that make it to the top of the page are more likely to be seen by us and by lots of other people. So you can make the news at freetalklive.com. When it comes to potential traffic situations, whether it's uh, you know a police officer or another individual in an accident remembering a situation differently than you remember it, what you want to have on your side is the ultimate witness, the GPS black box dash cam. This is essentially insurance. I've got it in both of my vehicles. Uh, Ian has it in his, and it is a great device. When you turn on the key, it comes on. It records everything out of the front and into the cab and out the back window of your car, audio, visual, and GP, the, you know, it, it has your direction, your speed, where you are geographically. It's an amazing device, and it will give you the ultimate witness in a circumstance where, you know, maybe there's an accident and somebody says you pulled out in front of them or you didn't stop or, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, or, you know, some police officer says something happened during a stop that didn't happen. Whatever it is, you, whatever the situation is, you can have the protection, the insurance in this circumstance of the black box dash cam. And you can get it at freedomcam.net. It's on sale right now. I don't know how long the sale is going to go on, so you should go ahead and act now. Uh, they take, they'll take they take your credit cards. They'll take bitcoins if you're interested in using bitcoins. It's a great device. It's at freedomcam.net. All right. Thank you, Mark. Let's talk to Mike listening in California. Mike, are you here? I'm here. Hey, uh, I think it was a Sunday show with you and Mark maybe two weeks ago that some guy, he claimed to be a farmer. I don't know if you're the Montan- Monsanto shill or what, but he call- called up and he was talking about GMO. I remember this, yeah. I, it sounded like he was a legit farmer, but you know, he just he just really liked Monsanto. He was really happy with them. And we had some questions of that, yeah. about that, of course, and we, some callers did too. Yeah, well, I, over the last couple of weeks, I've been researching that GMO thing, and there's something that came up that's actually quite frightening, that it's recurring. And it's uh, the GMO, from what I can glean from the Internet, is a delivery method, one of several, for nanotechnology weapons. Tell us more about that, and, please. Uh, it, it, these weapons manifest themselves in people, and they're calling it Morgellons disease. But they're actual silicone-based fibers that have their own power source. And there's video on the, on the uh, Internet of, of a, the electron microscope with these fibers, and they have either a gold or an aluminum head on them, and uh, you can actually see them self-replicating. I mean, it's, it's really freaky. Hold I mean, on a second, really Mike. It. Yeah, ho- hold on one second. So I've heard of Morgellons disease, and from what I understood, yeah, it does... People have this weird skin condition where they're itching and so forth. And then, you know, they can look in their skin and see little fibers. That's that's what I know about it. Some doctors don't believe it. Um, some doctors do. Uh, it, there are people on the Internet who swear that they, you know, that they have this. Um, I've never heard the self-replicating thing, though. And I'm, I'm a little um, skeptical that just because GMO foods are so prevalent, I mean, they're subsidized, right? The corn Everybody. and... The- Everybody is eating Almost them. on the planet. So why aren't we all uh, having these nano weapons inside of us? Well, maybe we do. Maybe it's only certain people that are activated in. Maybe only people that got certain vaccinations. Who's uh, activating them? I mean, see. Um, these things are under the most compelling evidence I saw was from the uh, Oregon, Oklahoma State University Science Lab. Um, and they have, that's the footage with the microscopes. Very scary. And they, these Researchers also took these fiber samples to the FBI crime lab and had an analyst 
look at them, and he said that they're like nothing in their 100-plus thousand fiber sample that he can see, and he actually called it an alien technology. Not saying that so it's it, from outer space. He's saying that it's alien, as in there's nothing like it that he's ever seen in his 25 years of experience. I like it better from being from out of space. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I me like too. More. <laughs> um, so, I mean... This is the problem. For, for me, the, I, I think that the Internet has uh, provided us many great services, and one that, that really kind of... Uh, you know, shakes the foundation of humankind in that there's no way to know so many different things anymore because there's certain topics where they, you know, the, the research, whatever it might be that you can do on the internet will look so compelling that there's no way to know everything about a topic because you will find things that are completely different. They're, they're opposite of each other. I the think, claims will I be think opposing. you can get close to the truth by using reasoning abilities and, and critical thinking I mean, sometimes it can. It can be difficult to know, especially if you have no background or if you have no desire to to learn about a certain topic, because some some topics just aren't that interesting. I mean, Mike, I, I have to say, I do my best to avoid GMO foods anyway. You know, even I'm I'm skeptical of this this fiber thing. Um, you know, it, maybe it's true, but I I would need to see more evidence myself. But I don't eat GMO foods anyway, so I don't know why should I do do research on this? I guess. I understand what you're saying. I'm also skeptical of it, but I think that it, uh, I think that GMO though is something that we should be aware of most definitely. I don't yeah. think it's good, like that guy was saying. Yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, I I definitely see problems with it. My biggest problem with GMO is is that uh, the patent system, the intellectual property system that backs it up. Um, yeah. If if it's better in some way or another in growing crops, then that's the one they'll use. Also, the systems for growing the crops, I think, that are somewhat immoral as far as the uh, uh, you know as far as our environment goes. Um, the reason being is is that uh, GMO foods will be resistant to say Roundup or something like this, this is a herbicide spray. Yep. And so they'll spray and kill the weeds around them, and it won't kill the plants. And then the stuff um, rolls down into rivers, and there is a, a dead zone the size of New Jersey and the Mississippi Delta. They say it was actually caused by fertilizers, which cause al- algae blooms, suck all the oxygen out of the water, yeah, and then kill everything in the area. Well, what but- about um, – ra- there are some um, weeds and, and bugs, actually, weeds that get re- resistant to the Roundup and also bugs that get resistant to the BT toxin. That's one of the other transgenes that they put in GMO foods. And so, you know, like any like antibiotics, right, you get super bugs. But I think you need to try new things. And if we don't try new things in the area of food, then we as a species will die. So I don't know. I'm not here to say that GMOs shouldn't be used. I'm here to say that they should be used responsibly. And they're not hey, being Mark? used responsibly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Hey, I was wondering, Mark, if you would interview the guys that are trying to make that movie uh, Gray State on the Edgington Post. Uh, e- email me whatever information you've got on them. Uh, Mike, Mark what, is this, what is this movie Gray State? I've, I've heard of it, but I don't know what it's about. Can you fill me in? It's, it's, uh, it's a, a, a screenwriter's interpretation of what he thinks the future holds after the economic collapse, and it's, it's pretty scary. There's, you can watch it at Gray State official movie trailer on either Google or YouTube. It's, it's pretty scary. I, I think that gotcha. it would be really neat to see what those guys have to say about, about current events and how it fits in with the Liberty Movement and whatnot. Interesting. So uh, anything else on your mind tonight, Mike? No, that's it. I appreciate you letting me have the time. Sure, sure thing. Thanks for the call. Um, yeah, interesting stuff, Mark. There you go. 
You, uh, know, I, you know, speaking of intellectual property, we were talking about this textbook thing. Did you have something else you wanted to follow? No, go right ahead. Okay. We were talking about this textbook thing in the, you know, we had a spate of calls, which is awesome. But uh, I'm going to pull this back up because I want to get back into this issue. As this I said, you know, her, remember hearing about this maybe maybe like five years ago or six years ago on Free Talk Live talking about this very issue. And of course, we're talking about this first sale doctrine where the um, a student from Thailand came to the U.S. for college, figured out that he could get his textbooks way cheaper in Thailand, imported them into the U.S. and resold them to the students. And uh, these the, are legit textbooks sold by that company. Oh, the exact same textbook. Yeah, they're exact same. They're they're you know they're, they're completely legit. It, they're just sold, sold at different prices in different countries. Yeah, because they charge whatever they can get away with sure. in Thailand. They can't get away with as much. So, uh, so the you know he took advantage of this price difference. I mean, I think it's rather entrepreneurial, don't you? Absolutely. I see no problem with uh, buying books in another country, importing them in the United States, and selling them. Uh, you know as used books against whoever it is that's selling them first time. Because, I mean, what this does is this regulates price. Yes, exactly. He's creating value for his fellow students by serving a need that they have, which is textbooks at an affordable price, right? They sure do. And they can't get that in the U.S. because the textbook companies have this pseudo-monopoly that's you know enforced by intellectual property. And then the professor says, oh, you have to get this textbook and you have to get the current edition and so forth. Uh, so let me read you a little bit of this. We'll probably only have time for a teaser right now, but from this is from marketwatch.com by Jennifer Waters. Um, your right to resell your own stuff is in peril. Um, tucked into the U.S. Supreme Court's agenda this fall is a little-known case that could upend your ability to resell everything from your grandmother's antique furniture to your iPhone 4. Mm. And we'll talk more about this here coming up. Uh, should you be able to sell your own stuff, to resell your own stuff? Let us know what you think here at Free Talk Live 855 855- 450 free is the number 855-450-3 on free talk live we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation investment and barter currency we've teamed up with midas resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces u.s eagles british sovereigns 20 francs lakota nation silver rounds montana silver reserves and walking liberty halves call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com the shipping is the same for one as it is for 20 so try to get as many as you can all at once gold.freetalklive.com This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. We're kicking off tonight's second hour. You can call us at 855-450-FREE. That's our toll-free call-in line, courtesy of SACL CAI. Wonderful sponsor, Free Talk Live. 855-450-FREE. And, of course, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Mark. And we're glad to have you with us. And, uh, Mark, you know, we were talking when we left off about um, this intellectual property case that's going on right now and it's been in process for so long we didn't um really get to 1997 yeah it started in 1997 um we didn't really get to do anything but sort of scratch the surface of it so you want to hear a little bit more detail of this well, we, first we got to talk about the because we're starting a new hour we're gonna have to, mm-hmm. gonna have to tell the story again do a recap okay yeah, real quick so basically a student from thailand went to uh, college in the united states at uh, cornell university and he discovered that he could get his textbooks for much cheaper the exact same textbooks in thailand so he had his family ship him the textbooks and resold them in the u.s to the students and Wiley, if you're 40 years old or older forget everything you know about college textbook prices 
because they are much, much more expensive than they used to be. Oh, they're astronomical. Yeah. Uh, That's another important point to the story. So basically, the textbook company found out that he did this. Oh, and by the way, um, he started selling them on eBay. And he made about $1.2 million back in 1997. So that was quite a nice chunk of change. He probably didn't have to go to college after that. (laughs) I I, I applaud his uh, abilities. Well, clearly the market was giving him a signal that this is a sorely needed service. You know, this is a very, uh, this is in hot demand. People really want cheaper textbooks. So So, uh, the company sued him. Uh, Wiley and Sons, the textbook publisher, sued him. Uh, And he he basically, his defense was that, Um, you know, he's not violating copyright law because there's something called the first sale doctrine, which says that the copyright holder only has dominion over the first sale. So if you buy something, basically you can resell it. But now that doctrine... You could buy a book and resell that book and there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, except the the courts are now saying that maybe there is something wrong with it, according to them. Um, At at issue in Kurt... And this is from marketwatch.com, by the way, by Jennifer Waters. At issue in this case, Kurt, Kurt Sang versus John Wiley and Sons is the first sale doctrine in copyright law, which allows you to buy and then sell things like electronics, books, artwork, and furniture, as well as CDs and DVDs, without getting permission from the copyright holder of these products. Under the doctrine, which the Supreme Court has recognized since 1908, you can resell your stuff without worry because the copyright holder only had control over the first sale. Put simply... Uh, through Apple Inc., ha- though, excuse me, though Apple Inc. has the copyright on the iPhone and Mark Owen has it on the book No Easy Day, you can still sell your copies to whomever you please uh, whenever you want without re- retribution. Uh, that's being challenged now for products that are made abroad. And if the Supreme Court upholds an appellate court ruling, it would mean that the copyright holders of anything that you own that has been made in China, Japan, or Europe, for example, which is a lot of stuff, uh, sure is. W- would have to give you permission to sell it. So they would have to somehow get in touch with the copyright holder on this stuff. It's madness. Um, It means that it's harder for consumers to buy used products and harder for them to sell them, said Jonathan Band, an adjunct professor at Georgetown University Law Center, who filed a friend of the court brief on behalf of the American Library Association, the Association of College and Research Libraries, and the Association for Research Libraries. Uh, (laughs) This has huge consumer impact on all consumer groups. Another likely result is that it would hit you financially because the copyright holder would now want a piece of that sale. It could be your personal electronic devices or the family jewels that have been passed down from your great-grandparents who immigrated from Spain. It could be a book that was written by an American writer but printed and bound overseas or an Italian painter's artwork. There, so think about this for a minute. If you, if you take an inventory of all the stuff that you own, and let's just say at some point down the line you may want to resell that stuff. And, you know, actually, I've resold quite a few of my textbooks and other things that I was just done with, things that I didn't want anymore, taking up space in my home or whatever. Um, I've resold them. And to think about how many of those were made outside of the U.S. And if I couldn't, if I was no longer legally allowed to sell them, I mean, how would they even enforce this? It's crazy. It's I, it's absolute insanity. And it really diminishes people's ownership of things and changes what we consider to be ownership in this country. Uh, you don't own that book that you just bought. Well, really, why should I, I mean, you know, it's going to change people's. <laughs> it's going to change people's buying habits yes. and people are going to be driven to and it's going to make things more expensive to, too. to pirate if you want to 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 share things on the internet yes. because they'll, they'll want to pay for it less because if i can't buy a book and then sell that book and then recoup some of the costs of that book book then i may not want to buy a book anymore 
recoup the cost of your boob. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> no, I completely agree. And I think people are driven to do things like, like if you, if you only have to pay 99 cents for a, an ebook or a song or whatever, then yeah, you know, many people are going to buy it. Some people are still going to pirate. They don't want to pay at all and that's fine, but more people are going to just, yeah, go ahead and buy it. Right. It's easier. You get it right then on demand. But if, if you, somebody's charging, you know, 20 bucks for an ebook or something like that, I think people are going to see that and say, oh, that's just unreasonable. It's They're not charging what the thing is worth. They're charging an inflated price because the copyright and patent monopoly has pumped this thing up and they're, you know, they're able to do that. And so I think that drives people to resent the copyright system, the, the intellectual property system, and to want to get around it, honestly. I, I, I don't see how one could argue that. You know, some people would say, well, that's their stuff. They can charge anything they want to charge for it. I, Doesn't mean you have to buy it. <laughs> the reality of the world today, whether whether you consider that to be true or not, the reality of the world today is, is that once you put something on the Internet, it can be shared. Mm-hmm. And you can It's your responsibility to keep that private. Pull your hair out as much as you want to about uh, it being stealing. You put it on the Internet. And the Internet is... You know, it's a free zone. Sure. So if and you, actually, you could argue if you that make it easy for people, they'll pay you ninety nine cents or a dollar ninety nine for your ebook. Right. It's not like you had to pay printing costs or shipping costs or you know publishing costs oh, or any yeah. of these other costs. All you have to do is write the thing. Right. I mean, wasn't writers the first... already only get about ninety nine cents on a book. Oh sure, yeah. The first millionaire um, that made money off of selling ebooks was selling. He did it by selling them for ninety nine cents because people were willing to pay for that. And I mean, it's just getting crazy with the whole intellectual property thing. Um, I heard a story recently, and I actually pulled something up about it too. About um, Bruce Willis apparently has this uh, extensive collection of music on his iTunes library. This is Die Hard. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, he and and he is having trouble right now because he would like to essentially bequeath his iTunes music collection to his daughters. And why shouldn't he be able to? He paid for them, right? Sure. And according to this whole first sale thing, that should be, you know, his his right to do that. That's his property now. He can give it to anyone he wants. And um, even, but the you know, fine print on the Apple uh, terms of service yeah, are different. They have some policy on iTunes that says if you die, that music that you purchased goes back to Apple. It, it becomes their property. So I mean, you know, you pay ninety nine cents for these songs. You get about as many songs as you do on a on a DVD or a, a CD, and so you pay essentially the same amount of money yep. for the song that you do when you bought them in the record store when I was a kid. Um, but really, it's not much different. Right. And I could turn over my eight tracks, my cassette tapes, my uh, LPs, my uh, CDs, whatever it is that I want to to my kids, but here with the Apple store, you can't. Yeah. These big companies are just using intellectual property as a bludgeon. Oh, and yeah. It's not, it's not forwarding innovation. No, it's not. It's going backwards. I mean, digital the music, music companies is are the supposed best. to be easier. The music companies are the best because the fact is music is getting crappier and the, it, gives, <laughs> uh, it gives young artists a chance to come up and get their, their music out there yeah. and they circumvent these IP laws. They're just, they're going to, I just don't think that the big music companies are going to exist. Oh yeah. Well, the, their business model depends on suing their customers and scaring their customers. I mean, a lot of bands, especially ones that are up and coming now, they want they want to share their music. They want people to listen to their songs. And they realize that the best way to do that is to promote them and to get them out there. They know to give they them can away make a great even living. for free. They can make a fine living touring and uh, selling T-shirts and all the things that they sell yeah. uh, that they don't have to 
sue people over their music. And you can sell, you can still sell the the DVDs and the you know all these things, the CDs and all that stuff. You can still sell those things. You can sell special packages, mm-hmm. no doubt. Bonus content. People you know, the want the original. Yeah. signed things uh, i mean they can there's ways to serve your customer without just suing the pants off of somebody and getting sixty thousand dollars a song uh as a, as a settlement <laughs> from a single nuts. mother yeah that actually happened too i mean i don't know what crazy world a song is worth sixty thousand dollars in yeah tell us what tell us what you think you know is this okay for these big record companies textbook companies to sue their customers and make these ridiculous uh, amounts of money off of keeping people from sharing their stuff uh, is is sharing stealing? It's free talk live eight five five four fifty free. Do you have a website or product that you make available to people nationally or even internationally? Free Talk Live is heard on more than 100 radio stations and two XM channels. FTL has also been voted five times the best political podcast of the year and four times been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list, the 100 most important radio programs in the country. We can do ad packages for you from as little as $500 a month on up to $3,000. I'll work with you to customize a package that will work within your budget. Contact me, Mark, at mark at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday night show with Stephanie and Mark. You can visit our website at freetalklive.com. It's got all kinds of cool features there. But um, if you want to keep up with the latest goings on at Free Talk Live, you can sign up for our email updates list. It's right there at news.freetalklive.com. And you'll get sort of, you know, I guess the the more exciting things that happen, right? Like when we add a new affiliate station or something happens with the show, there's something to announce. Uh, That's what the email list is for. You can also... Follow us on Twitter and like our page on Facebook. And there you're going to get some updates that are sort of more, um, you know, topics of discussion on the show, ways to interact with other listeners. Um, that's that's become a lot more active recently. So uh, find our Twitter and our Facebook also over at news.freetalklive.com. And I think we actually also have some subdomains, Twitter and Facebook freetalklive.com. Or that's right. Twitter.freetalklive and Facebook.freetalklive. That's right. And I'm tweeting away right now. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so Mark, you know, we we were getting into a you know a very passionate discussion about intellectual property. Both of us agree on this issue, but you didn't always feel that way, right? You you used to think that you know sort of patents were necessary for innovation, right? So I, I did used to think that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I've, and you I, no longer. I've think looked that? into it, and the evidence isn't strong for that position. I understand why people might believe that that's the case, but it's just not the case. Um, you know, I, I basically got backed down into two areas, and I think this is the areas that a lot of people move down towards. You know, when it comes to books that. First off, I think that if you were, to, if I were to sell a can of soda, bubbly brown soda, and call that can and make it red and white and call it Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. that I would be defrauding the people whom I'm selling to if my can tasted like something that wasn't Coca-Cola. If I'm selling them something that's not Coca-Cola and calling it Coca-Cola, right. that's, to me, that's a trademark. And there's different types of IP out there. Trademarks are intended to relay information. So when you see Free Talk Live, uh, you know, in the logo or you hear the words or whatever, you know what we're talking about. Right. Well, if you tell your customer that this bubbly brown coal, this bubbly brown soda is coal is Coke, and it's not, then you're lying to them. And so I believe that that's a uh, tort. That there's damages there, and that that person you know has um, you know has a tort against you. You have to effectively fool someone, though, right? Because I've definitely seen um, 
you know, people have altered the Coca-Cola logo to say capitalism. You have a T-shirt that, yes. that says that actually, right? So if yeah, you, I don't wear it anymore, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that word has some negative connotations for some, some people. But, um, you know, if you saw a can of soda, bubbly brown soda in a two liter bottle that said capitalism and it had it in that font that looks like Coke, yep. you know, you could if you could read, you wouldn't reasonably believe that that's actually Coke. So you know, I think you can get really close to imitating a certain brand without confusing people to think that they're actually getting that brand. Absolutely. Right? And in that circumstance, you would actually have I mean, you know, it's this, there's this reasonable, uh, you know, what what is reasonable clause. And I don't think that uh, somebody wearing a T-shirt that says capitalism in Coke's font is, <laughs> um, you know, fooling anybody into anything. Sure. Particularly. But, uh, you know, I mean, how close could it get? I think that that's up to a judge or an arbiter to decide. Yeah. I mean, actually, if you take something like the Susan G. Komen Foundation, um, they were in the news recently. They've actually done things like trademark the color pink or like a certain shade of, of pink because they, you know, breast they, cancer awareness. Yep. And they're, they're a very well-known brand. They have the pink ribbon for breast cancer. Sure. And um, they've, they've also trademarked um, race for a cure. And there was somebody who was trying to use that phrase to raise money for like a lung cancer walk or something like that. The Komen foundation sued them. And they're supposed to be like, you know, a nonprofit, like who cares if somebody uses a pink ribbon or says race for a cure? Really? That's that's worth suing a nonprofit company over to protect your brand? It's madness. Uh, it, Don't you think? <laughs> I, I am. I'm a little stunned by it. But I mean, I know that it, I know that not for profits are pr- businesses, too. It's a not for profit business with the emphasis on the business. Yeah. If you're doing it right. So, I mean, I, I hear why they would necessarily do it. And that's what these intellectual property laws do. They, but pit- they, they put people in a box where they're unable to see, you know, a world without these protections that are granted to them by the government. So the, the the areas that I was backed into were basically blockbuster movies and um, pharmaceuticals. Drugs. Yeah, drugs needed of to, both of these that. needed to be patent or you know need to have intellectual property uh, protections. But when you start looking at it, blockbuster movies they'll be they'll be, they can make their money back in the first weekend. And I don't care how good of a pirate you are, you can't mm. pirate uh, you know a blockbuster movie and put it up in your movie theater. There's something to be said for being first to market. Yeah, being I mean, first to market is huge. That's a huge deal. And that's how drug companies used to innovate and how they used to make their money. People still do- buy Tylenol even though there's acetaminophen, you know, uh Equiline or whatever brand yep. or uh, Walmart brand acetaminophen. Equate. <laughs> yeah, Equate. That's right. Thank you. There's all kinds of them out there. There's yeah. knockoff acetaminophens out there all over the place, but Tylenol is still in and business. And it's the exact same drug as Tylenol, but, you know, and Tylenol has come out with, oh, this is a fast release formulation and stuff like that. Sure. So they have ways to, you know, recoup their, their R&D costs. And let's not forget when we're talking about pharmaceutical drugs, the vast, so much, they... Those companies only spend like less than 10% usually of their budget, their entire budget on R&D. People think R&D is, is hugely They've costly. They've got a much larger budget on lawyers to protect their brands. To, to yeah, their brands. and on the FDA filing fees yep. to get their drugs approved by the government. So, so much of the cost comes from, is While imposed. While we wait years and die yeah. for those for those brands oh, to well, come out. Oh, well, Mark, you got to make sure it's safe. Right, <laughs> <laughs> because people are dying without it. Yeah. Uh, so there's been there's this article in the Atlantic, and that, I'm not sure they are safe. Have you ever seen these drug uh, commercials out there? I mean, they're just horrifying as they oh can yeah, possibly may cause be. blue may vision <laughs> and feet numbness, all <laughs> kinds of things. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know I, may I saw, cause. I saw flash bulbs going on in my peripheral vision. My cat went deaf. You know, I mean, you have no idea. It's crazy stuff. Yeah, I mean, Vioxx is a great example that a lot of people cite as a drug that was approved by the FDA but was not safe. 
And it was, you know, it was shown to be causing heart attacks. I mean, all kinds of drugs that are FDA approved have side effects. They send people to the emergency room, people, you know, whether it's taking them incorrectly or they're tainted. There was just um, just a big uh, thing in the news with um, a formulation of steroids that were injected into people's um, spinal region for back pain was contaminated with mold, actually. Yeah. And all these people got meningitis right. and died. So and that and that company was ostensibly under the watchful hawk like eye of the FDA, keeping us safe. And they don't. That's yeah. the reality. They can't. They they don't. People leave the FDAs out there in little white coats, ch- checking batches of uh, uh, you know random batches of yeah, drugs or something so. like that. Ridiculous. No. Ridiculous. And they want to impose. If you want that kind of protection, you're going to need to pay for it in the free market. And in order to get it in the free market, you need to get rid of. The FDA, which is a government mandated, uh, you know, oversight agency, and yeah, it doesn't give much oversight. And you know, what is what does FDA do? Like, I think the media coverage that happens when a company makes a bad product or makes an unsafe product is way more damaging. It causes their stock price to crash. You know, sure. all this stuff happens because of the media coverage and because of the the market. Um, mechanisms to let people know that this company is not trustworthy. It doesn't happen because the FDA sanctions them or what, whatever. It happens because people are. That's just some money press. for the FDA. It's just you know. Yeah, give yeah. Us, write us a check. <laughs> you made us look bad. <laughs> well, they were writing them checks anyway to get their drug approved. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. So I wanted to just read a, a really short little excerpt. Um, there's a great article in case you have time from uh, nuts. <laughs> well, we'll read it here coming up in a moment. The Atlantic, actually a mainstream publication published an article called the case for abolishing patents yes all of them and they're going to tell us why patents are are bunk or nonsense so still want to get an intellectual property warrior on the phone if you would 855-450-FREE do you think that patents trademarks ip of all kinds are necessary tell us why it's free talk live Hi, I'm Richard Grove of TragedyAndHope.com, and thanks to the help of Mark and Ian here on Free Talk Live, we've created this call to action to help raise awareness for John Taylor Gatto. In 2001, former New York City and State School Teacher of the Year, John Taylor Gatto, published The Underground History of American Education, detailing how public schooling creates obedient workers and debt slaves. Now John delivers a message which he calls your birthright. It's titled The Ultimate History Lesson, and it's a five-hour journey illustrating how and why our public schools are dumbing us down and what we can do about it. Therein, referencing more than 200 footnotes and 30 classic texts. John suffered multiple strokes in the weeks after filming this interview, and he's in need of your help as he continues to recover. Please click the banner on freetalklive.com and enter the coupon code FTL and we'll send you the ultimate history lesson on four DVDs plus a free 15-hour MP3 bonus DVD. Thank you for tuning in and not dropping out. It's Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. The live Sunday night edition with uh, me, Stephanie. And me, Mark. And uh, I would like to remind you that Free Talk Live has uh, several different ways to listen to the show. If you go to listen.freetalklive.com, you can find all of them laid out for you there very conveniently. Uh, We've got the live streams. You can uh, listen on the Internet uh, via the TuneIn application, all kinds of... uh, a Stitcher, I think, also has Free Talk Live on it. Uh, We've got radio affiliates, uh, the satellite, our webcam at cam.freetalklive.com, where you can also chat with other listeners as you watch us do the show, and even the listen lines, which, as I understand, are recently updated by Ian. So 
listen.freetalklive.com if you're wondering how to listen to the show or you want to share it with your friends. Uh, we would welcome that. Um, so, Mark, we, we're talking about intellectual property. Of course, you're welcome to call in about anything that's on your mind. Let me give out the number. It's 855-450-FREE. It's 855-450-3733. And, uh, Mark? Yeah, if you're looking for camping, hunting, survival, shooting gear, the place to go is manventureoutpost.com. They've got the name brands that you want and the prices, the lowest prices you're going to be able to find on the internet. Likely. I, you know, everything I've ever looked at at manventureoutpost.com has been the lowest I've been able to find. And I think that all in all, that's uh, likely to be the case for you. Please do some comparison shopping on your own, but I think you'll find that manventureoutpost.com has the lowest prices on ammunition, Knives, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, boating equipment, whatever the outdoor enthusiast in your life, be it you or someone you love, might need. Some prices are so low they can't even be mentioned on the air. So uh, go there, get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL at manventureoutpost.com. Use coupon code FTL, manventureoutpost.com. Awesome. Well, I wanted to share with you, uh, the you audience and you, Mark, to see what you think of it. Um, the article from The Atlantic, uh, which is, you know, I was really surprised, I guess, but happy to see this in such a mainstream uh, publication. It's called The Case for Abolishing Patents. Yes, all of them. And they make the case. They really lay it out saying that, yeah, we don't need this. And basically the gist of the article, it's it's rather lengthy. I'm just going to read you a little excerpt here and then we can discuss it. Yeah, here. the Atlantic articles are always lengthy. <laughs> They're lengthy, but this is really worth it. I mean, sure, I think this is, you know, we're... The thinking American public goes to read to some extent. Sure, sure. And the thrust of the article basically is that um, any patent system is going to devolve into the the utter madness that we have today, where and people it is are utterly mad. It, it is people, people are patenting, patenting crustless peanut butter jelly sandwiches. They're time pat- machines. Yeah, somebody patented a time machine. I think that's in this article. Uh, the somebody- human genome. Oh yeah, I that's mean scary. your DNA is patented. Yeah. What are we supposed to pay a royalty every time we express our own genes? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> so I like expressing my own genes because it's free. <laughs> so just a little excerpt from this this piece here, and I think it's worth it to credit the author too. It's Jordan Weissman who wrote this. Um, he says that the evidence suggests that having a limited amount of patent protection could make countries slightly more innovative, presumably by encouraging innovators to cash in on their great ideas without fear of being ripped off. But Patent protections never stay small and tidy. Instead, entrenched players like intellectual property lawyers who make their living filing lawsuits and old established corporations that want to keep new players out of their markets. That's a very important point. Big companies, they use IP to keep the little guys out. Uh, Oh, yes, they do. Absolutely. And uh, some in some cases, they'll uh, there'll be these IP farms out there. I don't know, you know, that these these companies that try to get inventors uh, in right haven or whatever. I'm not going to claim any companies. I don't know what the name of the companies are or what they do, but they're patent trolls. You know, Mark, we you and I interviewed um, Stefan Kinsella twice, actually, on the Sunday show mm -hmm. of Free Talk Live. So if you search for Stefan Kinsella on Free Talk Live, you can you can find those interviews. We talked to him for uh, probably Combining both of those shows, hours about this issue, and he is wonderful. He has all kinds of stuff to say. He's also written a book that you may like, a short book called Against Intellectual Property, if you and want to hear former, these arguments laid out. A former IP attorney. Oh, I think he still is an IP attorney. It, he is. He but, calls himself like the IP attorney who opposes IP or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah. he's out on his own now, I guess. Okay. He's yeah. not in a big company. 
So, yeah, instead, entrenched players like intellectual property lawyers, going back to this Atlantic article, who make their living filing lawsuits and old established corporations who want to keep new players out of their markets lobby to expand the breadth of patent rights. And as patent rights get stronger, they take a serious toll on the economy, including our ability to innovate. That's very important. We can see that cost to today as tech excuse me we can see that cost today as tech companies like google spend billions on quote defensive patents which are essentially useless other than as a protection against lawsuits right i mean you know basically as i understand the the boiling down the samsung apple lawsuit that went out is that you know Ugh, the, that slide Sam- lock or square corners or whatever right it, it had to, it had to do with round corners to some extent um, but that was madness. on the tablet that uh, <laughs> that samsung created that looked too much like the ipad or something it's it's really I mean, it just it's amazing to me. Yeah. Some of this technology is, uh, you know, builds upon other technology. That's a good thing. Yeah. Can you imagine if they if uh, the guy who invented the wheel didn't release the patent to car companies (laughs) to to, to chariot makers driving around on square blocks or uh, tanks or something? What? (laughs) I mean, this is. This is it's insane. And Sonny Bono, before he's, he you know ends his life on a tree, uh, manages to pass this lifetime of the artist and ninety nine years. I ask you now. Right. I, I'm I'm from a town where uh, rock stars tend to retire, and they're certainly all over, and they can do whatever they want. These are people that are no longer working. They can get away with whatever they want, like mm-hmm. parking their car in the middle of the street to go into a store and leaving it there. And then the c- traffic has to go around it. I mean, that's the level oh, of, I mean, they, they don't care because they make seen. so much money. Yeah. You know, so what? I'll pay the ticket. I don't care. I just wow. want to park here. And, uh, you know, the idea that, uh, you know, you create that individual, but think about creating that individual and then his grandchildren well, or look, his or her grandchildren. I, because Haven't you talked happens. about before on the show the airs of the Happy Birthday creator? Essentially, right. Happy Birthday is a song that's that everybody happy sings. Happy Birthday oh, to you! Oh, be careful! They might sue us, Mark. Right? I mean, that's that's what it, <laughs> that song is, is, is uh, patented, copyrighted. Uh, copyrighted, and they can't sing it in restaurants. So they right. have these, uh, you know, they'll they'll do the Happy Happy Birthday. I happy, hope you have a good day. Whatever it is that they'll sing when they come out, because they don't sing Happy Birthday because yeah. they can't. Yeah, and so it's in, this insanity is perpetuated. I'm asking you. What is the heir of the happy birthday magnet? What is that person like that has never worked a day in their life because they don't have to? Well, we, we don't know that, but the it's, song it's, has this perpetuated system. their lifestyle. Yes. Yeah, it's that's insane. what's created. And and Google, um, as this was brought up in the article, as Google spends billions of dollars on defensive patents, what could they do with that money, with that people's with that those people's talent and time and productivity if it were poured into something that actually could that innovated and created something. Yeah, like Google Maps, like all the things that they brought us basically for free, you know, and of course they collect data on you. Yes, I know that. But what could we do with the lawyers of the world if we put them to work at real jobs? Yeah. It's I'm a not great question. First, we kill all the lawyers. These are smart I'm people. For first, let's turn them out loose to create something. I'm sure they would love to be free of a system where they spend their days arguing. No, the corners are actually more square than you think. See that I've measured the angle. You know, it's crazy. It's just I'm sure they don't like to be doing that either. Maybe they do because they cash in on it. But but they're the ones I like who are any enriched. job I get paid well to do. I I like more. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it can't be a particularly fulfilling experience to spend your life just trolling people's patents. I mean, can you imagine how how much 
just disgust you'd have in your own job. Like you go to work every day and you do that. Anyway, from back back to this article here in the Atlantic, we see it um, whenever a cool startup firm firm is forced to license a bogus patent from a litigious troll. So actually, these happens the, all the time. There are these firms where they will say, you know, they'll put an ad in what, wherever on the Google Ads or whatever, and they'll say, oh, inventors wanted, right? And then the invent they'll say, you know, we help you patent your product or we help you get your product out there. You have an idea, we'll turn it into an invention, okay? The inventors go in there and they sign these agreements. And what they don't realize is that they're signing their intellectual property over to this company. And then they turn around and sue the inventor and they take it and use it. I mean, it's just a crime. <laughs> Uh, They've done it. And we it's see been, it in the... It happens all the time, as I understand it, but I, it's never happened to me, so I, I couldn't tell you the specifics of it. Are you an inventor? Have, has you had a story like this, a horror story? I'd love to hear it. It's Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE is the number, 855-450-3733. Tell us what you think of intellectual property. It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back. You're listening to the Sunday Night Edition. Uh, You can catch us every Sunday night, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Mark. And uh, yes, the combination of Stephanie and Mark is a little bit uh, special. It's only... It's only heard on Sunday nights, but you can hear Free Talk Live every single night of the week. Usually it's Ian, Mark, and somebody else. We think it's special anyway. (laughs) That's right. And of course, um, just want to remind you that if you want to watch us doing the show, in addition to just listening to us, kind of hinted at this last segment, but you can go to cam.freetalklive.com where you can see the studio cam and you can also chat with other Free Talk Live listeners. Here on uh, Free Talk Live, we take uh, human freedom and uh, rights theory to be, you know, very important. We believe that peace, freedom, personal responsibility, that these are uh, these are great things, uh, virtues maybe even. And if you want to get together with other folks that feel the same way, the Free State Project may be for you. It is a movement to get 20,000 liberty-loving individuals to move to one state. That state that has been cho- chosen is New Hampshire. Uh, and you can uh, pick up your life and move here. To the Free State Project, as I have, and Stephanie? Absolutely. Yep, you have too. Most of the hosts here on Free Talk Live have done the same thing. And you can go check it out at freestateproject.org. It's a great project. It's working. We are having an effect here in New Hampshire, and we're, we're happy about it. It's, it's a great place to live. As a matter of fact, New Hampshire shows up number one on a whole bunch of lists of great places to live. It does. I think New Hampshire, even before the Free State Project existed, there were people who moved here. Uh, for more freedom. And so that just shows that the Free State Project is on the right track. I certainly like living here. Yep. Uh, Freestateproject.org. We've got a lot of people who want to talk to us, Mark, uh, many of them about intellectual property, which we just spent several segments very passionately discussing. Uh, Daniel's first, though. He's listening in Alabama. Daniel? Daniel? Hello? Hi. Welcome to Free Talk Live. Hey. um, I heard you guys talking about how a lot of times the corporations use the patent laws to kind of keep the little guys out of the market. Mm-hmm. 
But I would also say that it works in reverse, too. Like when an inventor comes up with an idea, if there was no patent law, then um, corporations could just steal their ideas and adopt them and profit from them right away without giving any credence to the little guy. A lot of people say that. And um, first off, there's contracts that allow inventors to show their their inventions around to corporations. I mean, the getting rid of patent law and intellectual property law would not destroy contract law. Um, So... Inventors can show their their invention around to larger companies. If they decide to go to market, uh, the chances are good at some point or another that some larger company will use their ideas in the same way that larger companies like Ford have used the idea of the guy who created the wheel Mm -hmm. to create newer and better products for the public. But that inventor will still have the advantage of being first to market. So, you know, if he's the first one to make the inside the eggshell egg scrambler, um, he can go ahead and (laughs) and do that. There there is also this problem, too. um, And I hear what you're saying about being concerned about the inventors, but there is also this problem where large companies and there are even just law firms that only that don't make any product at all. They just exist for the purpose of um, amassing patents for themselves. And pretty soon, you know, either the large companies or these law firms have are holding so many different patents that, you know, essentially they can try to get anyone who brings a new invention into the market. They can try they to say that, that there, there's patent infringement going on. So, Isn't there a time limit on how long the patent can be held? There is, and then you know, they'll like reform. Seven years or something like Oftentimes, that? then they'll. I think, it's, I think it's twenty years. I think it's seventeen. But anyway, okay. um, they'll reform, nobody knows. <laughs> they'll reformulate and change things a little bit, and then bring the uh, the same patent out. But you know, in, in the suggestion that the little guy can use the system is that that's the whole that's the golden ring, right? That this thing that everyone's striving for. Yeah. But I wonder how often is the system used against the little guy compared to the little guy using the system for okay. his benefit. What, what, what exactly do you mean by contract law? Like, how does that, how would that protect someone when they invent something from a larger corporation just adopting it and basically gaining full market share with their idea? Okay. I, I think you mean, for instance, like if somebody invents something, they have an idea that they haven't really manufactured or anything yet, they can kind of maybe shop it around to different large companies that could be distributors or manufacturers and show them, hey, look, I have this giant robot or whatever that that I want you to manufacture. But I want before I show it to you, I want you to sign this agreement that says, "Okay, you're not just going to see my idea and copy it without making a deal with me or something like that. Is that what you meant, Mark? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so this is the way that most in, uh, most inventors get their products out there. The, the vast majority of them don't say, all right, I'm going to take my invention and go to market, because they just don't have the funding to do it on a national scale. Um, and so they sell them sell it to companies, and you know they'll shop it around right. to different companies. And this already goes on, and it's not IP law that protects the inventor in that circumstance. It's contract law. And actually, and you I, know, I, I'd I, like to relay a personal story. Me too, um, but you I, go first. I had a, a product that I came up with, uh, you know, that basically it was a dietary supplement that was just some extract of a cactus from India called Keraluma. <laughs> and we got sued out of business by somebody who really yep um, by but well threatened threatened the lawsuit and we stopped manufacturing because oh, I didn't want to deal with it because I didn't know that. we dried plants and put them into a capsule 
And so I've got a, and the person had a, they did have a, a patent, but they had a patent on like the way to, the, the, the way that some of these things would be extracted down and concentrated. Ours weren't concentrated at all. They wow. just threatened a lawsuit and I didn't want to deal with it. So I took the company out of business. Yeah, My question even if, to you if is they... how often are these laws used against the little guy? The big guy came after the little guy in this circumstance and won. Yeah, even if you had a good case, you wouldn't have been able to afford to fight it. You know, you would have had to sell it. I did have a good case. Yeah, right. But what do I win when I fight it? Right. What would you guys propose, like, for a change, for a change in the patent law? I would say that uh, to get rid of it, every one of those patent laws. And the reason is, is that if you want to keep a secret, go ahead and keep a secret. If you want, uh, you know, if you want to share your ideas out there and have people buy your products, get first to market and make sure that you can, um, you know, innovate because this will be the best for society. Um, It's the best for consumers. It may not be the best for inventors, but the fact is people will continue to invent because there will be enough incentive in the marketplace to invent. Daniel. Okay. Gotcha. All right. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for the call. You know, I have a personal story, too, real quick, Mark. I have uh, somebody that I know, um, I guess you'd call him a friend. He has been making basically like robotics since he was a little kid. Okay. He's a really like kind of a eccentric genius, I guess you could say. And he basically put his inventions on YouTube, you know, and to, to do this process, process of kind of shopping them around to companies. But there would always be a record on YouTube that, hey, he was the first person to come up with this, right? right. And so finally, you know, after a couple of years, some big toy company found them and and they said hey would you know would you like to um be be a contractor for us or something like that and they tried to change his invention all around and he was like no no you can't do it like that and they couldn't even they couldn't even replicate it so they needed to have him uh on board as a staff essentially to be able to make this toy correctly so i guess that's an example i mean and i don't think they they had he relied on intellectual property at all to get his idea to market. You know? I had a friend who came up with a better idea for uh, doors uh, on cars mm-hmm. and shopped it around to the automobile manufacturers. And, you know, they, they wrote him a check, but they never, you know, I don't even know that they've, I've never seen this. I, I saw the, the schematics for the door yep. and I've never seen it on cars. That doesn't mean that I'm going around pulling on people's doors, by the way, mm-hmm. because that, you know, looks weird. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, I've never seen them use it, but they, they paid him for his little idea. They just sent him a check. Interesting. Let's take Bob in Virginia. Bob, are you with us? Yes, ma'am. Hi, welcome to Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? I uh, heard you say that you wanted a, a personal story about trying to get a patent. Sure. Yeah, yeah. are Love you an inventor? It. I went through one of those patent agencies. They uh, see uh, uh, the commercials you see on TV. Mm-hmm. And basically, they tried to string me along trying to get, more, trying to get money out of me. Ugh. And they said they would submit it to different companies. And, and at the time... Um, I had a child that was born premature. I just didn't have the money. And yep. it's probably a good thing because I hear that that's what they try to do. They just keep stringing me along. They wanted me to go to my friends and relatives to see if they would uh, uh, start a company with me. Wow. So that I would have seed money. And, and eventually, they, I, I believe they sold the idea anyway. And oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. To different companies. What, what was the idea, if you don't mind me asking? Well, actually... Uh, Filling the uh, like ketchup bottles and stuff upside down. Oh wow, yeah, that's a very common thing, huh? <laughs> that was eighteen years ago. Wow, right you came up. I didn't see it that long ago. I can remember back. I never saw sort of an upside upside down bottle at that time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. wow. Thank you for sharing that story, Bob. The guy who invented upside-down bottles called Free Talk Live. Yes, it's a celebrity. <laughs> I love your show. And, and by the way, I listen to on, on the internet using Linux. Awesome. Oh, that's good to know. Ian would be interested in that. Actually, he's he solved pretty much solved the Linux problem. It okay. had something to do with the servers. Um, and thank you for the feedback. How did you listen on Linux, Bob? Just I what use, program? I use, I use Aramox. Okay. As a program. What's the name of the other one? Teramox? I don't know. Teramox. A-R-A-M-O-K. Teramox. Okay. Thank you, Bob. The versions of Linux I use are Ubuntu or Debian. All right, Bob. Thank you so much. I feel like we had a celebrity on the phone. That was great. It's Free Talk Live. 855-450-FREE is our number. Uh, Coming up, Hour 3, we're going to talk about uh, HIV and cops. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the Internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. Free Talk Live. That's the show you're listening to with me, Stephanie. And me, Mark. And uh, we're launching into Hour 3 of tonight's program. You can hear Free Talk Live every single night of the week, uh, Sunday through Monday, right, Uh, at freetalklive.com. The archives are available there for you to listen to for free. We were just kind of talking about intellectual property. And, well, you know, Free Talk Live gives away the archives of our show for free because we want people to listen Take them, use them, cut them up, cut them up, do whatever you want. You know, be as creative as you want. People have done made songs with them, dubsteps, and all kinds of things. Really? With Free Talk Live. Yeah. Sure. Oh, I want to hear that. I'll have to look. They're out there, and you know, people have sent me songs. You know, whatever. You're going to hear our podcast ads and our live reads that we do on the show if you listen to the archives. But hey, I mean, there is a commercial-free version available if you if you become a Free Talk Live amplifier, you get access to that, right, Mark? Yep. So you know, Free Talk Live finds a way to to still earn a living, and at the same time, give the archives away to the listeners for free. So I think everybody wins in that situation. And, uh, you know, we do have a call on the line. By the way, 855-450-FREE is our number, 855-450-3733. In case you're new to the show, this is a show where you can basically call and bring up anything that's on your mind. We were talking in the last hour about intellectual property, and I think someone's on the line who wants to uh, continue that discussion. Mike in Honolulu? Mike, are you? Hey, listening? Mark, Stephanie, good to talk to you guys. Hi, you too, Mike. Hey, so it's cool you guys are talking about this. It's very timely because September 26th is the 114th uh, birthday of Leonard Reed, who is the founder of the mm. Foundation for Economic Freedom, a huge um, opponent of intellectual property. I thought it was, is it the Foundation for Economic Education fee? Economic Education, my apologies. Yes, oh, economic. no, no problem. I'm a big fan of yeah, Leonard Reed. He wrote this. Everything. He has this essay called I, I Pencil. Have you ever heard of this, Mark? No. It's a very famous essay, I think written in the 1950s, and it's about, it's basically about the market. It's, um, it's about how nobody knows, no one person in the world knows how to make a pencil. Um, nobody could centrally plan this process. What it is, is people want pencils or they, 
They probably wanted them more back in 1950 when they didn't have computers to type on. They had to use them to write. And, uh, you know, somebody has to go get the graphite. Somebody has to make the wood into the right shape, paint it, get the rubber out of the rubber trees for the eraser and all kinds of stuff. Nobody knows how to do it, but this very elegant process is coordinated and you can get a pencil for probably in those days pennies. And and this is all, nobody is in charge of this process. This is a completely organic um, orchestration of this very complex event that happens through uh, the free market. So, um, yeah, Leonard Reed did a lot of other great work besides that. The FEE, um, you can still, FEE is the Foundation for Economic Education. They still have... Um, Don't they own the Freeman the magazine? The Freeman, yes. They have a magazine that they publish. So if you want to read more about that. Sheldon Richmond was the editor for a while. He's a, a wonderful writer. I really like him. I think he's, I think he's recently moved on. Yeah, but uh, the Freeman uh, has online issues that I think you can read. So I recommend that. But anyway, Mike, go, go on with what you wanted to say. Well, they, they've been giving away all their content under copyleft or Creative Commons for their entire existence, and they seem to be doing fairly well. We still mm-hmm. know about them. We still celebrate them, and their work has been featured in many important publications. Right. Uh, my, my, my question is, if, if, if ideas and, and such can be owned, um, who gets credit? for the idea that we own ideas. Pay for that. <laughs> you know, and the most people won't argue the uh, the the intellectual side of this. They'll they'll, they'll immediately give up once you tar- start talking about the wheel and Mo- Mozart concertos and mm-hmm. uh, you know the bow and arrow and and these ideas that we have been passed down, you know, the happy birthday song and how ridiculous it is that uh, you know the person who invented it is dead but their kids are being, you know, <laughs> I guess uh, are continuing on with this uh, you know this the this dynasty uh, that must be the happy birthday song, they'll, they'll immediately give that up. And usually it's always uh, these um, utilitarian arguments. But if we don't have patent law or IP law in this right. particular area or that particular area, I took this picture. Someone's going to steal it on the Internet, this this kind of thing, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, rather it's, than you can hear the the fear and the concern. Right. Because yeah, they it's I, I have to say, like, it's hard probably to imagine a world without IP because in America, at least we grow up surrounded by it and we're taught that this is preserving innovation. This is the only acceptable system. And I'm really glad for, you know, this article in the Atlantic just coming out and all the people who are out there saying, look, no, this doesn't make sense. This is not working. It's, it's spiraling out of control and it always spirals out of control. So we need to just get rid of this. You know, um, I, I have a uh, my professor here in my school. He's a he's a libertarian, and when they came out with their ac- academic dishonesty policy, mm-hmm. uh, one of the one of the stipulations was, you know, if you copy information without giving credit, that's academic dishonesty. And him being a libertarian, he asked the the board. He said, "Well, where's the credit for this idea?" <laughs> right. Somebody had to get. Somebody had to yeah. come up with the idea. Good question. For copying the credit, and why didn't they give credit for that? Yeah. Absolutely. I, how did they respond? Do you know? Well, of course they they had no response. You know, they cited yeah. other universities and, and blah blah blah. Who knows why the state is? You know, but they didn't do. cite them. <laughs> I mean, they they may have cited them at the meeting, but they didn't cite them in their work. Right. I mean, their work was this That's whatever academic this rule dishonesty. was. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. You know where these, you know, and this just the arbitrariness. Uh, well, patents are good for seventeen years or whatever the period of time is. Well, why not eighteen and why not sixteen? 
Yeah, and you know, I think uh, you know, life extension and and you know, medical advancements making people live longer and longer are just going to introduce more and more complications to the idea of intellectual property. And if corporations, of course, are people, then perhaps copyrights can never die. Yeah. Right. Once a corporation owns a copyright, then how long does it go on? Yeah, that's actually a great point. And Mike, uh, thank you very much for the call tonight. I appreciate that little story about the professor. It's, <laughs> it's amusing. Be amusing, yeah. All right, Mark, you know, I wanted to bring this up because we, we have sort of a, uh, a a police misconduct story, I guess, if you will. And this is interesting to me because, you know, I'm interested in medicine and health. And so what we have here is a cop from Detroit, and this is a sort of a local news story, who just showed the most, frankly, just ignorance about HIV and AIDS. Okay. And this harkens back to like the 1980s. Um, there was a kid who got AIDS, uh, or excuse me, he got HIV, the virus which causes AIDS, from a blood transfusion, you know, so it was not any behavior that he did. He where just, did that happen? Um, oh, where did this happen? In in the United States. It, with, really? This is when HIV was very new. Okay. Okay, so they would pool the blood. Oh, okay, okay. I, I'm sorry. I thought that you were telling a news story here. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, th- this is a historical thing. It was back, I think, in the 1980s. And this kid was like nine years old and he was kicked out of his government school just for having HIV because yeah. people were paranoid. They didn't know it how was the new leprosy. Right. Yeah. They didn't know that it can't be spread unless you have contact with another person's blood. Like you really cannot spread HIV by casual contact or by being near somebody who has HIV. You have to have sex with them or you have to be exposed to their blood or get a needle stick or something like that. And even the sexual thing, I mean, people are saying now that it's it's really just certain sex acts. You definitely can't get it from kissing. You know, there may be a theoretical kissing sex act now. Well, <laughs> people wonder about this, right? Okay. And so it's just basic, you know, health education. I guess if if you had like an open cut on your mouth and you kiss someone who also had an open cut on their mouth and were one of them was HIV positive, yeah, theoretically you could get it, but. Uh, you know, there's real- a lot of people. I mean, Magic Johnson comes to mind yep. in this uh, circumstance. He's been around a long time. Looks pretty good. Sure. Yeah. And he's uh, HIV positive. Right. right. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, but the point is, it cannot be spread by casual contact. Well, there's a cop in Detroit who pulled over a lady. Her her name is um, Shalandra Jones. And, you know, she's black. I don't know what the the uh, race of the officer was, but I would be it smacks of racism. Right. Uh, he, I don't know. Well, OK, here's what he did. He he pulled this lady uh, over and ticketed and said he was said he was ticketing them um, because he's, quote, aggravated that Ms. Jones didn't disclose her HIV status before he searched their SUV. Why was he searching her SUV? I don't know. There's a video of it. It's 29 minutes long. I haven't watched the video. It's probably some, you know, just fishing expedition. And he says in the video, he says the honor, the unnamed officer says he, quote, doesn't want to catch something and has a family. I mean, he just doesn't understand that you cannot catch HIV I thought they just by being near somebody. Educated law Not enforcement. Like a cold. Law enforcement officers on bloodborne <laughs> pathogens and things like that. They, they're putting them through training now, apparently. Uh, but I, I guess this guy failed the training or that he didn't have it in the first place. So 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. That's the number for Free Talk Live. Uh, tell us your bad cop stories. More coming up. 
The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give five bucks a month to the AMP program. You likely buy all kinds of things online. Amazon is the largest online retailer. You can get what you need at the same prices with free super saver shipping by going to shop.freetalklive.com. Please do your online shopping at shop.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to the live Sunday night edition. My name is Stephanie. And I'm Mark. And um, do us a favor, if you would, if you have some shopping to do on various websites, but uh, I'd say the main one is Amazon.com. You want to buy something on Amazon, enter through Free Talk Live's portal, and you can find that at shop.freetalklive.com. All you have to do is just take a moment to click through that link, and uh, that that will place, I guess, a little cookie on your system, and everything that you purchase will give Free Talk Live a small referral fee. Who doesn't like cookies? <laughs> Cookie Monster. Um, Cookie Monster likes them. Anyway, it's uh, <laughs> terrible. Um if you enter Free Talk Live's uh, portal, excuse me, enter Amazon through Free Talk Live's portal, um, you know you'll be helping out the show for free. It won't affect your purchase price. You get the same service, the same price. Everything is exactly the same, except um, Free Talk Live can put that money to good use. You can't talk about Cookie Monster without sending money to PBS. Oh my! Is that an intellectual property thing? That's right. Isn't um, they're poor? What, Mitt Romney wants to take their money away. I I heard something about like he. People were screaming that he wants to get rid of Big Bird or something. Something like that. He, he wants said he to liked cut, Big Bird in the, cut yeah. funding for PBS. Yeah. Well, the, I, I think that's the best thing he said all night, likely. Um, and I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that it's any real uh, effect on the budget. I think that that's ludicrous. It's like, uh, you know, t- yeah. <laughs> taking a, t- a t- you know, removing a penny out of the pocket of a person who's just spending money all over the place. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a, such a small amount. But I mean, NPR, even NPR gets like only 10% of their funding from about the government. About 10% of their funding comes from the government. So that means 90% of their funding comes from underwriters and, and viewers like you. Yeah. And listeners like you. And <laughs> And the I, biggest part is corporations. I support them. Yeah, yeah. I, I send them money. My wife listens to NPR on a regular basis. I usually it's on in the car when I get in sometimes. Yeah, and uh, you know, but it's fine. I mean, if you're going to use the product, then pay for it. But the idea that they can't somehow make up this ten percent and Big Bird's going to go out, you know, walking down Sesame <laughs> Street homeless, yeah. with 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 nary a nest to live in, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I I think there are so many people whose um, children watch Sesame Street that they would step up to support it. Absolutely, if they were threatened in any way. So. They would make more money by getting rid of the government intervention. Actually, yeah. they make more money because the government kicked them out, and that's really the uh, the trick is that they need to be kicked out by the government to yeah, get the sympathy. Yeah, then people will perceive that it's you know it's urgent. They have to donate. Yeah, right? yeah. So, Mark, there's a bearded lady that we wanted to talk oh my. about. Uh, yes, <laughs> I'm just saying that to at sort the circus? of grab people. No, she's not at the cir- circus, actually. Her name is Belpreet Kaur, and she's a college student, actually. And uh, she is a Sikh woman. She's wearing a turban, and she's got uh, some very serious, very obvious facial hair. Uh, hold on. So um, a friend of mine's a Sikh, okay. and women don't wear turbans. Right. Um, she, she also believes that there is... She essentially is like, um, I guess, a gender egalitarian. Like, she, oh, great, a feminist Sikh woman. <laughs> I don't know if she would. I don't think she would call herself a feminist. But okay. in her own words, she says that you know she's inspired by this guru, 
And for some reason, she believes that, you know, there's no difference between her and a man. She can do anything a man can do. And the there commandment. There are some differences, but okay. But the commandment. If she wants to wear a, a turban. She's getting closer with the facial hair, but I'm sorry. But she, you know, she says that she believes this commandment from God, according to her religion, applies to her. So she wears the turban and she, um, it's also part of the Sikh faith, I guess, not to remove any uh, hair. So she keeps the facial hair that, yeah, that she has. That's the sort of more orthodox uh, Sikh belief. I mean, yeah. you know, you know, the the modern ones cut their hair, but yeah, she, go ahead. She explains this here in her own words, but basically, the the background to this story is that she um, was photographed. It looks like in an airport or something like that. Somebody took a picture of her when she's waiting in line, and it shows her, you know, wearing a turban, and she's you can see her body. She's not um, obese, like she's a, a pretty normal looking woman from the neck down, but she's got, you know, facial hair going on. And it's very, it's like, I've actually never seen a woman with this much facial hair. So you wouldn't mistake her for a man? I don't think so. There are some, there are some feminine features, definitely. I mean, she has breasts, right? And she... How big are they? I mean, that matters. um, They're, they're not small. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think I, yeah, I think if you saw her, you would, you would say, yeah, this is a woman with facial hair. Okay. Um. And so somebody took a picture of her without her consent and put it on Reddit. And Reddit is a, you know, like kind of like an internet forum. There's probably frequented by lots of trolls, people wanting to laugh at things. Somebody put it on the funny section of Reddit. And there were all kinds of people making mean and trolly comments about her. And she somehow found out about this and saw the thread and read it, read it, read all these mean comments. She says in her own words, I'm, I'm reading her article that she wrote, um, She uh, sat for several hours reading the mocking and mean responses that the post evoked, and then she chose to respond. Uh, And she said, I'm not embarrassed or even humiliated by the attention, negative and positive, that this picture is getting me because it's who I am. Yes, I'm a baptized Sikh woman with facial hair. Yes, I believe that my gender. Yes, I realize that my gender is often confused and I look different than most women. However, baptized Sikhs believe in the sacredness of the body. It is a gift that has been given us, given to us by the divine being, which is genderless, actually, and must keep it intact as a submission to the divine will. By not focusing on physical beauty, I have time to cultivate those inner virtues and hopefully my life, or ho- hopefully focus my life on creating change and progress for the world in any way I can. So she posted this statement to the Reddit thread that was just making fun of her, and the responses. According to her, I haven't read the thread, but according to her, the response has completely changed. She said, what happened next surprised everyone, especially me. More than a thousand comments appeared on Reddit supporting me, my faith, and my view of inner and outer beauty. Articles supporting me even emerged everywhere from Jezebel to the Times of India and The Guardian in the UK. Even though I appreciate all the positive energy, I've spent the last 10 days or so trying to stay away from more media. So... And then she goes on to explain why she wears the turban, because she believes, you know, that there's no difference between her and a man and, you know, she why she keeps this hair. And so there's though a lot of people have been talking about this. It's a it's an interesting, unusual story. So I've gone to this. Uh, I think it's the website. It might be called The People of Walmart. Ah, uh, yes. Um, yes. Where people of Walmart. Blog. You can go and you can see some folks who are. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they they run the gamut from, uh, you know, terrible, you know, white trashy to, uh, you know, dirty uh, to strange cross-dressing behavior to just all kinds of amusing things. You know, people who are wearing clothing I feel much really shorter and yes. smaller than they should. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really cruel oftentimes for laughing at that. But even people of Walmart blog has a policy that, hey, if you see a picture of yourself on there, they will take it down. And if you request it, they will take it down. 
So, yeah. And, you know, I wonder to myself, I mean, it, it, this is this the highest form of comedy? It probably isn't. No. But at the same time... If it's funny, it's funny. And where does comedy stop and, you know, the empathy for your fellow humans start? Because I think that this is one of the dangers of sort of uh, PC behavior, you know, the the politically correct behavior, is that nothing is funny anymore. That there's nothing is open to discussion or ridicule. And Okay, well, I I can see that. But I have another concern that that this brings up for me, the, the whole is acceptance, I guess, going overboard. And my question about this is, is there a medical issue that's being missed? I mean, clearly it's not normal for women to have facial hair. Yeah, a couple stray hairs. Pretty much every woman has that. But like if she had a tumor that was making testosterone or something, she might never know because everyone's so busy saying like, yeah, we accept you. And yeah, I'm all for acceptance. That's great. I I would like to accept myself and everybody else too. But is an actual serious issue here being missed for the sake of being PC, as you said, Mark? Maybe. Let us know what you think. It's 855-450-FREE on Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give five bucks a month to the AMP program. You like your friends. You like Free Talk Live. Like your friends enough to share something you like with them. Help Free Talk Live get into more ears. Podcast listeners are the most important area of growth for Free Talk Live. Please share one episode a week on Facebook. Welcome back to the show. You are listening to Free Talk Live. It's the Sunday night edition with me, Stephanie. And me, Mark. And uh, we're so glad to have you with us. 855-450-FREE is the phone number. That's 855-450-3733. We've uh, talked about a lot of different subjects tonight, from intellectual property to people of Walmart and uh, associated things. But you're welcome to bring up anything that's on your mind at 855-450-FREE. If you're thinking, if you've heard about us talk about Bitcoins and you don't really know what they are, go to weusecoins.org. If you're into Bitcoins and, you know, you found that uh, you want to get other folks into them, maybe a way to do that is to get an online wallet at blockchain.info. Blockchain.info has, uh, you know, wallets that you can get for your computer or apps for your Android or your or jailbroken iPhones. You can actually do some of the um, the, the features on regular iPhones, but... I guess it's a little harder. And thanks to fancy encryption techniques that uh, they never have access to your money. They don't know how much money you're sending or receiving or anything like that. Um, it's, just a, it's just an online wallet that only you have access to. And you can send Bitcoins to your friends via email or through their Facebook pages or to anyone's cell phone number in just about any country around the world. So if you have know somebody who has a cell phone in North Korea, you can send money to them easily with uh, this blockchain.info app. It's really cool. And Bitcoins, they're great. I think they're going to change the world. You can get your free Bitcoin wallet today at blockchain.info. Cool. All right. Well, Mark, we were talking about this um, This lady. She's actually a college student, so she's a young lady. Um, she is a Sikh, and she is a woman with facial hair. And she got basically put up on Reddit, you know, against her will. A lot of people were making fun of her. Reddit's a site where, you know, people go and talk about stuff. Yeah, basically. Um, and so then... You know, basically what she did was 
and I admire this. I think this is really cool. She was able to make a post on the Reddit thread about her and basically break down barriers with the people that that were making fun of her. And she said that she basically sees every, you know, stare that she gets or every question as an opportunity for a conversation, which, wow, I mean, that's That's powerful. That's pretty, yeah, powerful. But I I do question, I mean, does does comedy have value, okay? Mm -hmm. And I think that it does. I think that, um, you know, I think that the ability to laugh and enjoy oneself is, uh, is, is great. And the... I mean, there's different types of comedy out there. Perhaps looking at someone's picture on the Internet that you don't really know anything about. It's just sort of they're a stereotype or whatever uh, is uh, and laughing at that. You know, I mean, is that the highest form of comedy? I'm not sure it does. But, you know, I mean, I've seen pictures. I saw a picture on the Internet. I mean, amazing pictures of this guy at like high heels wearing tube socks, uh, a pair of spark- sparkly underpants and uh, a motorcycle, an old style motorcycle crash helmet wow. walking in front of a giant fire in front of a building. And you're, and, and you're like, the, what's going on there? Under, <laughs> under it, the caption is, no matter what you do, you'll never party this hard. And I mean, <laughs> every time I see this picture on the Internet, I get giggle to myself because i have no idea what's going on yeah and i don't know maybe this person's mentally ill and i'm laughing at a mentally ill person yeah you know it's not like people haven't laughed at mentally ill people throughout the ages now does that make it good and right i don't know i don't know i mean i do i do feel bad when when people are laughing at somebody you know when they're making fun of somebody i i have to feel like a kernel of sadness in there for that person too because like we've all been on the receiving end of that too. I think everybody has. Everybody's sure. been made fun of and and then we know what it feels like for it to have someone laughing at us and it doesn't feel good. So I mean, if there's a way to, I guess, What's maybe... What's unique about this story is is that this person saw that they were being laughed at. Now, because the internet moves you so far away. This isn't like snickering at someone in the hallway behind at school or anything like right. that. This is snickering at someone that you don't know, that you've never known. It's just a picture. It could even be a fabrication. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't know what it is. And in this case, she happened to fi- find it somehow. She, that's what makes this story notable. And yeah. even more that, than that is the way that she responded to it. I think it's mm-hmm. it shows... Uh, a strength of character yeah, for, on her part. Definitely. But I, I, you know, I just, I wonder, do I want to, you know, do I really want to try to stop this behavior in people? I don't think I'm not going to laugh at the next funny picture I see on the internet. Yeah. Uh, that, that is an of amusing person. Oh, no, I don't think anybody suggested to, to stop it in any way. And no, I don't I, think you could stop it. It's just, I, I do really wonder like if this is a medical issue that people sure. are ignoring because now, at this point, everybody is reveling in being so accepting. What could it uh, indicate, this, uh, this this woman having this much, being this young and having that much facial oh, hair? Oh, anything. I mean, polycystic ovary syndrome in women can cause um, body hair, all kinds of body hair and facial hair. Um, any kind of, like, hormonal imbalance or excess of male hormones or androgens can cause it. So, I mean, it, and it definitely could. It's not like she just has a couple of you know, stray hairs. And I'm not saying like, you know, she should shave or anything like that. I'm just saying like, is there something that's being ignored? You know, and I, I, I care about that. That could be a legitimate threat to her health. I want her to be healthy. That's all I, that's all I can say. It also brings, you know, what's, what, what's the value in fitting in and not fitting in too. And I think that there's Mm -hmm. value in fitting in. Oh, sure. It takes a lot for a college age woman to say, yeah, I don't care. This is who I am and you can like it or not. Let's see what Donna has to say. Donna, are you with us in Indiana? Yes. Hi, welcome to Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? 
Uh, well, I really appreciate the compassion that you're having for this lady. Um, I can understand that myself. I had a, a hormone problem when I was in my 20s mm-hmm. because I had miscarried a baby and then oh. uh, I went into pituitary gland failure. Wow. Which caused me to have excess hair on my face, just like a man's beard. Mm. Uh, over the years, I tried electrolysis. I tried, and that was terrible. The pain was so it's bad painful. With that. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I had to either be drunk or uh, take a lot of nerve medicine in order to go through that. It was so bad. Wow. And and I just couldn't stand it. So I just relished the fact that I just have to shave it off every day, which mm-hmm. I still do. Mm-hmm. And um. But uh, you can't tell it unless you look really close. I, I'm allergic to the um, the products that just that you can put on there, like Nair. You know, I can't do that. <laughs> you can't oh, put that those, stuff on your the, face. Those burn your skin yeah. in addition right, to the hair. I can't do that. But it's just amazing because I have a really beautiful complexion, and I get compliments all the time on my complexion. Mm. But little do they know that I have a full beard that I have to shave off every day. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So, And I went to doctors that cannot be reversed. Wow. And I do have, um, well, it's called Stein-Leventhal syndrome, mm-hmm. which is polycystic ovaries. So I have mm. been diagnosed with that. Mm-hmm. But as far as I know, I've went to the best doctors there is. There's no reversing. What about the laser hair treatment? I mean, there is... are some new treatments that I have not tried, but I probably can't afford it. They're not too now, bad. I'm I understand 64 it. years old, mm-hmm. and I don't have that kind of income. Mm-hmm. I'm not working. Yeah. I'm disabled, and there, there is actually. Um... A, there's a drug that's um, basically a, like a blood pressure medication, but it has a side effect of blocking male hormones. So if those are the cause of hair, um, taking this drug, it's called spironolactone, um, can can inhibit the hair growth. And it's available as a $4 prescription from Walmart, of course, if you have a prescription for it. So mm-hmm. just in case you've never heard of that and you want to try uh, it. No, not really. But I'll check into that. But thank you. Okay, sure. And, Donna, uh, thanks. Thanks for the topic is real touchy and I'm I understand this girl probably would not feel that way if it was not for her religion, mm-hmm. because having facial hair is very embarrassing. I bet it is. Yeah. But also, professionally speaking, 80% of all women have superfluous hair. Yeah, it's true. So, it's true. And and so there's this myth in culture that women are not supposed to have any straight hairs, you know, and they're supposed <laughs> to have completely smooth legs and everything else. And when reality, hey, we're mammals. Hair grows out right. of our bodies. <laughs> So, Donna, thank you for sharing your, your thoughts and your experiences tonight. I appreciate your call. And, uh, you know, hair removal is a tough thing because it, it always keeps growing back. It's like this never-ending battle. And men have to deal with it, too, if they want to remove their facial hair, right, their beards or whatever. Yeah, but it's not, it doesn't have any stigma to it. Yeah. Uh, whereas, yeah. Um, and in some cases, women, like, for instance, some women will have, like, the, the light sideburns or they'll mm-hmm. have, um, you know, I don't, I don't know, sometimes uh, eyebrows. And they can Unibrow. fuck <laughs> yeah. They can do all these things. And so, but I don't think that... I, I don't think they're judged too harshly for some hair in some areas, but other areas they're judged very harshly. Yeah. For. Well, the armpit hair, it's a cultural thing, right? In you France, off, totally right? fine. In America, no way. Yeah, no way. <laughs> it's Free Talk Live. 855-450-FREE is our number. Uh, tell us about your hair. <laughs> <laughs> More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, 
Buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give five bucks a month to the AMP program. It's my firm belief that Free Talk Live's AMP program is the best use of your charitable dollar among liberty-oriented organizations. Support all the organizations you love. But make sure you give five bucks a month to AMP at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, the live Sunday night show with me, Stephanie. And me, Mark. And uh, there's one more segment left of tonight's program for you to get your calls in. You can dial 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Meaning that this is the last segment. Oh, yes. Thank you for clearing that up, Mark. And uh, yeah, if you want to get your thoughts in, better do it quick. (laughs) But of course, you can bring up anything you want here on Free Talk Live. And Mark, you know, we had the story that we wanted to talk about on the show tonight. Uh, But did you have a... a, uh Message you want to bring to our listeners? Oh, yeah, real quick. Uh, BitInstant.com is the best place to go to get your Bitcoins. We just talked about that last segment, what Bitcoins are. They're an online currency that allow you to send and receive money without having to pay any fees on the Internet. Uh, No government, no banking agency can have control of your account. And they can't be inflated. They can't be counterfeited. It's a, they're an amazing new invention in the area of money and in the area of uh, the Internet. And I think that they're going to change the world. If you want to get your they're Bitcoins. They're already changing the world. Yeah. yeah. And they're, they're down a little right now. To, uh, so you can it's, it's a good time to buy. I would recommend buying soon at bitinstant.com. Again, it's bitinstant.com. Awesome. All right. You know, we were going to talk about sort of a free speech issue, I guess, and also relates to the the government schools. So something that comes up on this show quite a bit. Um, and apparently there was a girl who was kicked out of her classroom for wearing a Romney shirt. That's right. Um, here it is. A Philadelphia high school honor student was ordered by her teacher to get out of the classroom when she entered uh, wearing a Romney Ryan T-shirt on a casual dress day. Wow. The school has con- <laughs> confirmed that the student uh, was uh, not at fault in the incident in which her Obama supporting teacher gave the youngster a crash course in partisan politics. I came in and my teacher said, are you wearing a Romney shirt? She pointed and said, get out of the class. And I said, no. Samantha says her teacher went on to tell her that she couldn't wear a Republican uh, shirt in a Democrat school. Um, Wow. Oh, so the whole school's Democrat now. (laughs) There you go. Wow. Well, I guess the teacher was just making it really clear what they think. She took a red marker and drew on it, and then she told me to take off my shirt, and she gave me a different one, she said. The teacher literally drew on this student's shirt with a marker? You know, I'm looking at what appears to be the shirt, and... It may be there's a red line on it. I, I don't know. I mean, oh my it, gosh, that's. I mean, that would be assault if the student did that to the teacher. You know, she would be charged with assault. Yep. The exchange led to cr- uh, critical comments from both classmates and the janitor. Um, <laughs> whatever wow. the janitor pops in, and uh, now the the student's parents are outraged and calling for the teacher's dismissal. While she's been uh, taken out of the classroom temporarily, they say they want her removal to be permanent. Wow. I <laughs> so, remind me not to have an opinion at school, you know, geez, that like what message did that send to the other students? It's certainly chilling in the area of, uh, you know, speaking your mind. Um, I, I I think that this really comes down to and as many times as we've talked about it, this is an issue of public school. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, if this was a private school, they could tell you that you could could or could not wear whatever it is that you they want you to wear. They can say... Well, you know, they could say, yeah, you have to wear a uniform or whatever. Or they can say, no Romney t-shirts, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It's their that, school. I would disagree with that. I think that would be silly right. to, to restrict what people wear. But yeah, it, at least they would have a little more grounds to do that because they're a private institution. Whereas public school, you don't have any choice but to pay for it, you know, right. and... If you if you pay for it, a lot of people think, well, I might as well send my kid there because I'm already paying for it anyway. I don't have a choice to opt out. So it seems sure. pretty obvious to me that uh, as long as they're going to create a place like public school, you're going to have a very difficult time creating something that's fair called a dress code. You know, you might be able to get some people to agree on a dress code and other people will disagree, whatever it is. I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the problem is public school at the core. And yeah. I won't play along with your dress code games. Um, when <laughs> it, I'm just not going to play along. As far as I'm concerned, the problem is your public school. No, no. The problem's your public school. I don't care how short that skirt is. It's your public school. I don't care what p- color the T-shirt is or how much. I don't care if she's showing her areola. The problem is oh your public school. And that's what it all comes down to in this area. The fact is this teacher lady felt threatened by this shirt. And she has every reason to feel threatened. Romney is a threat to people that call themselves Democrats. And Obama is a threat to people who call themselves Republicans. It just shocks me. I mean, okay, so I had a teacher who was a Vietnam veteran, and he would get incredibly upset if people did not respectfully put their hand over their heart and with a tear in their eye, say the Pledge of Allegiance Mm -hmm. every morning with their hat removed you know, and if, if you, you were to wear hats in school, <laughs> um, I don't think you were, but some people did. But okay. he would get really upset if you didn't take it off and, you know, just show as much patriotism and respect as possible during the Pledge of Allegiance. Somebody had a shirt on once, I think, that said something anti-government. I forget what it was. It might have been a band like Black Flag or something mm-hmm. that that was anti-government in some way. And he kind of flew off the handle at that person. And and he would regularly fly off the handle if he didn't like the way you were saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Nobody dared not say it in front of him. I mean, so, like, that doesn't really surprise me that there would be, especially like a veteran, you know, a government school teacher who would who would get really upset if you expressed an anti-government message, because that's his employer, after all, for most of his life. But just... I mean, that student wasn't even expressing, like, an anti-state message. She was just supporting... Romney, you know, the the candidate that this teacher disagrees with. I mean, that seems that even surprises me. Well, there are there are people that are partisan towards the United States. They're partisan towards uh, people that are partisan towards the Democrats, partisan towards the Republicans. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can see that the Republicans didn't even exactly work with Obama to get his plans through. Uh, you know, some people claim that that's, uh, you know, that that's being harming the american people i don't know how are we supposed to know as far as i'm concerned i want washington do it to do as little as possible but yeah. they got far too much done in the first two years of the obama administration I, you know I, i'm not fond of it i don't think i think veterans can are you know they're a funny sort they can be the most fiercely loyal uh you know partisans for the uh, jingoists and they can be the ones that are the least like you know they they like the government the least because right. they know what it's like to work there they know what the government thinks of them they think the government thinks that you're worth if you're in the military catching bullets from the other side i mean that's what they think of their soldiers and that's where they'll send them to do 
to do the silliest things, especially Vietnam. I mean, the story, the you know, the the war is rife. We've gotten all these stories have trickled down throughout the years. Of, yeah. You know, the the loss of bodies in order to take this hill or that hill. Yeah. And then lose it again the next day, and right. then do it again, and it's ridiculous. And the, the veterans saw that. They did. Yeah. So. It just you hear often s- stories about government schools where. They're sort of conveying this message that, you know, as long as you're within like this this narrow box of the two party system, then it's OK. It doesn't really matter which side you pick, but you have to be a Republican or a Democrat. You can't, for instance, have ideas about liberty. You know, you can't disagree with the entire system. You can't be a libertarian or whatever. You can't be really a green either, I guess, or, or whatever other I never had that minor experience. parties are they, out there. They never approached these things when I was in school. I, I just never, I never had that experience. They mm-hmm. didn't, I've seen situations where the school will test you on, they'll give you like a little yes and no questions and you'll come out and they'll say, you're a Republican kids or yeah. you're a Democrat kids. Yeah. They never did anything like that when I was in public school. And I don't remember having p- political conversations. I remember having con- conversations about ideas. Mm-hmm. but not conversations about politics or parties or anything like that. It just didn't, you know, the teachers wouldn't we, have come out and said those I things. had a class called government class mm-hmm. in high school. I had civics. Yeah, they didn't call it civics. They, they actually called it government class. And we were required to go to town meetings and sit through the most boring town meetings. I mean, I just remember going and like sneaking my disc man at the time mm-hmm. <laughs> so I could listen to music during this boring meeting. And uh, it was just, it was awful. But so, in that class, I definitely got the impression that it was not okay to question government, to say that it was bureaucratic, to say that, you know, you didn't like the system or anything like that. You kind of really had to wave the flag. And the teacher, literally, she'd come in with an American flag waving and very patriotic. Her, she had a sweater. She had all these different sweaters with American flags on them. It just Big into flags. Yeah, just very big into flags. You know, I mean, one of the, the things that I like the most about the United States is the colors. I mean, you know, I think that uh, there's, there's a lot of... I, I get where people who are highly patriotic are coming from because I really used to be that. Yeah. It's it, it, My question is is what are you supporting when you're supporting those colors? And That's a great question. It what does it mean to you? Because I think what it means, what I've the conclusion I've come to believe is is that it doesn't mean the people. Because the people do what the government says. Mm. So if the people will do what the government says, then what you're supporting is the government. And most people will not say that they're supporting the government of the United States when they're talking about those flags. No, no, no. I think that politicians are liars and thieves. We, we, you know, Washington, D.C. is full of crooks or whatever yeah, it is let's, that they'll let's say. Let's throw them all out. Yeah, there is like a very confusing mixed message that people say if you ask them about what they think of the government. You know, on one hand, they'll say, oh, it's the freest country on earth, but they don't like the politicians. And Of course, it's yeah. not the freest country on earth. You can no. quantifiably look at, uh, you know, lists and rankings and it's just not the case absolutely not well thank you mark uh i've been stephanie and i've been mark <laughs> freetalklive.com to too. is our website you can hear free talk live every night of the week 7 to 10 p.m eastern time thanks for joining us this evening here on free talk live 